Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Recording live in studio, here's Nick and Matt. It did it again, but we're on we're on air. You just have to do it manually. I appreciate that, Ben. What's up, Nick? Are we good? Yeah. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, what's going on? It's episode 87. I guess we're still figuring out some stuff with our new software, but we are in for the show live Monday night. Uh, hanging out. Thank you for everyone who's being with us. We have a pretty awesome episode, I would say. We just had the first pro major of the year. And I say the first pro major because I saw on Twitter people beefing that the collegiate championships was a major for the amateurs. And so I don't want to say that it was the first major of the year and get canceled. So it's the first pro major of the year. Uh, We had incredible, incredible battles. I was actually there. I was not battling, but I was there playing a little bit of disc golf, hanging out. Um, Matt, how are we doing this week? Fantastic. Uh, We'll talk about the major, as you said. uh, I don't want to get canceled. I'm kidding. (laughs) <laughs> We're going to talk about the major, the major. How about that? The major, the new yeah, major, the, previ- the most previous major, the new major. The, mm-hmm. It's a, incredible. It was drama filled. And I'll just give you this. It seems like FPO took the wind out of the sails for MPO that you were kind of like, by the time MPO rolled around, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, Evan, Evan's in studio and Evan and I first time ever. We did this on the Instagram stories. If you didn't see it, you missed it, but first time ever played a round of disc golf together. Uh, we we see each other every week. We talk. We've been at course MVP Open, the whole thing. Evan, did I throw as bad as you thought I would? No, I thought you threw pretty well. Uh, I mean, like we we had our fair share of shanks, <laughs> and like you pointed out, you guys, Instagram stories are only up for twenty four hours. But if you watch, Matt was very quick to say that whenever he uh, recorded me on the story that I would shank it. So um, if next time we play, maybe we'll hold off on those uh, for my own game. Uh, but no, I was, I, it was a fun time. I was impressed. Matt got me. If you want to drop in the, the YouTube chat, how many strokes do you think he beat me by? Uh, it, it wasn't close, but it wasn't a blowout. No. Yeah. You played at Meadowbrook, right? Yes. Yeah, we did. Meadowbrook. Is it the new, is it kind of the new layout that's set up? I saw they're doing a ton of work with the T pass. I want to give a shout out to that course. This isn't sponsored by them at all, but dude, that <laughs> course is fun as hell. It brings back old Highland vibes and uh, with new T pads going in there, I'll be back up in May and I'm a hundred percent going to try to get a round or two in up there. And and I want to try the food. Yes. So between the fact that they have food bathrooms, like restaurant yeah. bathrooms and it's apple orchard and it's a new course, it's definitely worth it. If you're in new England, it's going to be worth traveling to or anywhere really, but it's going to be fantastic. I met the owner and seems like a really great guy. He likes smoking meat. I like smoking meat. He does it with an offset cooker grill. And it's just like, that's what I want to do one day. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was a good time. And so they're wondering how, how much did I beat you by? Uh, it was five, five. Yeah. It, like I said, wasn't a blowout, which was a little bit closer, but it was a fun time. That, that's my new uh, home course. I'd say too, I'm less than 10 minutes away. So uh, if you guys go nice. to that course, like keep your eyes peeled. And if you see me, just give me a shout. Cause I'm there pretty often. And I went with my t- yeah. two of my boys. And uh, what did you think of that? okay well one they're crazy good uh we went with two of your kids they're 
12 to 13 12 and 7 12 and 7 and they can rip like they are good yeah. they were throwing hard and just like darts crazy like, that's that's the age difference between hunter and tanner yeah almost five years five years tanner's no about kidding. to turn eight but yeah and yeah, no they kidding. were blowing me away i was yeah. like evan i'm like some of these are the first time i'm seeing shots like this it's crazy yeah and like that this course is a good chunk of open holes um yeah. where you're kind of just throwing as far as you can i think i have a for in my skill level a pretty good distance with my forehand i was that's kind of the cut where i get a little bit of separation and how many times did hunter land i like we could pull out a ruler and it was less than a foot away from me just like in line next to each other uh yeah, it was like good. four times or so he it was very impressive sometimes he's upstairs listening streaming us live while we're down here so if you, if you are hunter good job i, I walked we in today we- too and you know what Tanner said to me? What? He's like, hey, that course we played, it was really fun. Oh, cool. Uh, so nice. uh, if you guys are It'll ever get wanting to get back. We we still got to have Hunter and Tanner on as a yeah. guest appearance. Oh, dude, sometime. we can have them sit. Hey, pull up the in-studio camera. We can have them sit over, over here on the, uh, the, the guest couch. couch. It'd be awesome. Yeah. yeah. This is a new shot, by the way. You can see it. Look at, look at Ben's green screen. But go to your, go to your real shot, Ben. Yeah. I love that. So nice. anyways, we that's kind of our, you know, casual intro into what we're about to get into the heavy, the deep and the heavy talk tonight. So, uh, Nick, you were down there. I'm sure we'll get some of your feedback on your experience. Um, but let's let's go ahead and jump right into it. Uh, I'm texting Paige and Chris. They're both in transit at some way or another to the next event. So we'll see how it lines up. It's hard to schedule a live show like that, but we'll make it work. So in the meantime, though, Evan, go ahead and break down for what, us what happened uh, in in uh the major well, the major <laughs> yeah like you were saying it was a thrilling finish uh to the uh the first round or the sorry the first uh final round of the day the fpo uh field and Paige pierce takes it home after trailing going into the 18th hole this was the first time that the trailing second place player going into the final hole has come up with a win since do you know what the last major that happened was the last major was it usdgc no literally oh. well the for fpo literally oh. the last major it happened the same thing happened Paige pierce was leading katrina allen was down a stroke i believe katrina had a great shot put the pressure on Paige, who was leading in this one Paige didn't execute katrina takes it down similar thing happens here Paige pierce played incredibly well set herself up for an eagle look i think it was a tap in birdie put the pressure on Kristen to make a tough putt she misses it goes long misses the comebacker gives the win i shouldn't say gives that's in that was a bad way of saying it but um opens the door for page to get the win with the tap in uh this was page's 16th major victory tying her with valerie jenkins for the most all time in fbo um 17 if you're counting the performance flight (laughs) yeah uh my official stance is no but that's a future conversation maybe um but uh, this is the most prized cash Paige Pierce has ever won from a standard stroke play event. Um, and this is, she has not finished outside the top two at a major since 2016 U.S. Women's. That's 12 straight events that Paige Pierce, 12 straight majors, excuse me, that Paige Pierce has finished first or second. That is unbelievable. Uh, speaks to just how good she is, whether she wins the major or not. It is, it is she is in the battle. Mm. Okay. A few in-studio things while Evan's doing that. We're, like, all talking behind the scene over here. This is how the show goes sometimes. Nick, what stands out to you about that? It's pretty incredible. So, 
I mean, it was an awesome battle to watch. I actually, so I was the first MPOT time on day one. So 10 a.m. right after 9.48 tea time for the feature car for the FPO. And I remember Paige hitting the first tree. She kicks way left. Takes her like three or four tries just to get up and down to kind of like the opening to get up to the green at that point. So long story short, she takes a seven on the first hole. So they think, okay, nerves are in it. And Kristen's playing pretty smooth right now. I know Holly and Haley had the lead after round one. Kristen took the lead after round two and three. And what kind of seemed like, I think she was up four going into round three and then kind of had a lackluster day, day three. And then day four came around and Paige Pierce, I think they were evened up going into that round. And it just turned into a battle. I mean, I was out on the course playing at that point, so I wasn't able to watch it. Um, but I was doing the live scoring for my card. And so every single time I would plug in our scores, I would check the UDISC live scoring to see what was going on, on the FPO side. And what do you know? It comes down literally into hole 18, which for any tournament on the Elite Series stage that you get to watch live, a battle going into hole 18 is an awesome, incredible feeling. And I really, really love hole 18 at WR Jackson. Because if you throw two perfect shots, you can eagle the hole, which puts a lot of pressure on your competitor. With three decent shots, you should be able to get up and down for a birdie. Um, so it is definitely cool to kind of have that as a finishing hole. And it's not made with a ton of artificial OB. One of the greatest things about this course is there's no artificial OB. There's no random OB in the fairways, off the fairway. It's like three or four holes, you get OB that's, you know in the creeks and stuff like that. But for the most part, it's such a fun course that it, it allowed for incredible battles on the FPO and MPO side mm-hmm. with ultimately Paige taking it down, which was incredible to watch. <laughs> incredible. Like I said earlier, I feel like their, their competition and the way it unfolded, it was like so drama filled. You're like, wow. And then like MPO starts up and you're like, all right, let's get back into this. And you're expecting like this big, big show again. And in so many ways, it wasn't as exciting, like watching Ricky hit front cage. And like, it just seemed like everyone wasn't, I don't know, it just didn't have that same excitement level. Um, that's all it was, excitement. The event was great. Yeah, I, I'm not going to argue it didn't match the excitement from FPO, but I thought it was incredibly exciting seeing how the MPO finished out. It started with mm-hmm. uh, Ricky Wysocki, um in the lead going into the final round. I think Calvin Heinberg took the lead or at least had the share of the lead for a little bit, put a lot of pressure on. And then Chris ultimately uh, took the lead and just like had a narrow lead up until about the last, I think it was whole 17. He might've kind of had that two stroke separation and whole 18 just threw a perfect drive while Calvin and Ricky Wysocki both were a little bit off the fairway. And at that point you just kind of had a feeling um, that Chris was going to take it down, which he did. This was his second major victory of his career. And uh, both were in the last five years. He's one of only three players to get uh, two MPO major titles in the last five years, joining Paul Macbeth with five and James Conrad also with two. Surprisingly, Ricky Wysocki doesn't have two majors within the last five years. His second most recent one was just over that five-year mark, the 2017 Aussie Open. Um, Interesting enough also, this is Chris Dickerson's first, I'm going to call it like tour win, major elite or silver where he won when he was trailing into the final round. Each of his previous wins, he had the lead. You can think of USDGC in 2020, I believe. He had about a four-stroke lead. GMC last year was like a five or so-stroke lead, and his two silvers this year both had the lead in each one. Um, Incredible to see it kind of flip around and and Chris kind of come from behind and charge to get that victory. I'm laughing. Can we talk about Calvin? Calvin? Is it like he is the absolute best player in the world? 
based off of average finishes, but he has how many wins in his career that are elite? I still argue the tie. I honestly sit there and am impressed by this man, like fully impressed. And I will tell him one day when he gets his win, he should have a lot more wins, not to downplay how, like, it's just, he would say, I know I probably should have because I started looking at his averages. I think he's averaged so far this season. I don't want to butcher it because I forget what it is, but it's like somewhere in like the third range. Like, that's incredible. So anyways, that, that's my little thing on Calvin tonight. It was like, he could do it again. Every event, he could do it. Uh, jumping over to a new player, uh, someone who wasn't in the top three but had an incredible finish, Paul Macbeth, shoots 16 under the course record, uh, moves up from, where was he in the 40s the day before? I'm not sure exactly his place. Going, uh, I think he was around. on the ninth card. Yeah, And so, what's yeah. that, 36? 30s, uh, yeah. Yeah. And he shoots 16 under the course record. He beats the entire field by three strokes, which is the 10th time he's done so at a major, beating the field by three or more strokes, which is incredible. Uh, that was just absolutely mind-blowing. He's done it so many times. Unfortunately, it was you know, just to push himself back into the top 10, which still says something, kind of the longevity of having so many major top 10 finishes, but I'm sure he wished it was uh, a win or at least a podium. Um, oh, and his round was filmed. Yeah, overthrow disc uh disc golf. Yeah. Uh yeah, I heard something about how, you know, Mikey was just like last second was like, Yeah, I'll I'll film this round. Uh and well, so good thing you did for yeah. everyone to see it. My Mikey was there uh shooting some really cool B roll stuff and they got some pretty awesome things coming out in the future. And, you know, he was like, Yeah, I mean, there's no other cameras here right now. Paul's pretty deep down the leaderboard right now. And so he just started kind of casually doing shot by shot. And then I think Paul started out four for four, missed hole five, and then got six, seven, eight, missed nine, got 10, 11, 12, missed 13, got 14 with an eagle, missed 15, but then 16, 17, eagle 18. I mean, he shot by shot the whole thing. And what was, what was really crazy is we went back to the Airbnb that night and Mikey literally got right to work, edited the whole thing, put some badass music behind it. And they dropped it literally a few hours after it happened, which was pretty insane. So if you guys haven't checked it out, go on to Paul's YouTube channel and check it out because it's a it's a sick, sick round to watch. Even with two two lackluster mistakes that you wouldn't really expect Paul to make, he made two of them. And uh, I mean, right there is a potential another 18 down on his resume just from two upshots, realistically. But... Watching watching the MPO battle, I will say we were talking about kind of like not as exciting, dude. It was because I was watching it in person. Um, me and a couple of buddies started watching from hole fourteen on, and when Ricky missed the eagle putt on hole fourteen from about thirty five feet, doinked it low, um, just a little too much nose down front rim, mm -hmm. and that's where you know Chris got a birdie, and then Chris throws an incredible drive on fifteen, which when you play the hole, you realize how hard it actually is to put yourself in a good landing zone and then how hard it is to actually make that up shot. And Chris filleted both those shots to, you know, get that one stroke lead. And then 16, he parks it 17. He throws it right down the gap, which 17 is a super, like it's a wicked tight gap and then gets the birdie on that one. And then literally gets to go into hole 18 with a two stroke lead, which is what you want, especially in a hole that's eagleable, especially for the top pros in the world and is able to just throw a buzz straight down the fairway, get himself three quarters away up the hill. I think, I could be wrong, but I think he went buzz, buzz, and then challenger OS, and then putt out for win. The funniest thing about it, though, is normally they let the player who's going to win it, especially because he was in bullseye range, 
putt out last and i think it was just like so much excitement maybe in his head that he literally went up and putted before everyone else putted out and we were like no no you're supposed you're supposed to wait what are you doing and it was it was kind of funny but it, it was it was epic to watch especially putting the pressure on putting the pressure on ricky on 17 who had to make two miraculous shots to try to get up there ended up saving the part but then on 18 you know he's got to try to put it up to the top of the hill and just overturns it a little bit too much and you know the rest is history at that point chris takes it down and honorable fashion it was it was very very fun to watch yeah i I should be clear i'm not saying it wasn't fun and i enjoyed every minute of it especially (laughs) seeing it's just different right uh i think people talked about the pga masters like Corey mcelroy was like you know screaming fist palms when he chips out of the sand trap and puts it in on the 18 like that excitement right and then i see people like you know chatting out there and saying things like like chris dickerson is like one of the more boring players to watch but i think that's what actually makes him be so good like mm-hmm. it's similar in ways to calvin right like these players are able to manage their emotions but like it doesn't always translate to the like excitement that you see when tom brady and i know everyone hates that but like you know let's <laughs> freaking go like it's just like yeah awesome like pump everybody up and you don't see that with like a big putt from chris in fact it's amazing how stoic he can be if he hits a big putt just Mm -hmm. i'm just doing my job for my wife and me like it's just amazing right A, a wonderful thing congratulations to him for sure and um to Paige. uh let's go ahead real quick i want to talk about uh this product that i've been using now for at least a year it's hempfield botanicals everybody Hemfield Botanicals, I have the little container here. This this one is for your everyday, like, sore muscles. You used it, you know, you played a round of disc golf more. I, I played three rounds of disc golf this past week. That is the first time in, I, I don't even, I, maybe a year, where I've played back-to-back-to-back to back to back days of disc golf. It's un- incredible. This went right on the muscles. <laughs> it felt wonderful. Then you got the salve, the Hemfield Botanical salve. This is for your more intense, like, pointed joint issue pains that kind of a thing fantastic product nick you use this i use this evan Mm -hmm. we have some on the way for you are you excited about that i like i said last time i'm a a, well i'm 27 years old actually now i I just turned 27 but i have the body of a 40 year old i would love to put that on and just kind of have it go to work and feel the relaxation um i don't know if i'm using the right terms but have it feel good (laughs) and recover well um for just like those you know kind of post round achiness um and just kind of feel good afterwards yeah they 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 say feel good play better and they're licensed and like honestly recommended by professionals that are not podcasters (laughs) we should listen nick what do you think no, I, uh, so it's funny enough, um, I've, I've talked many, many times about some previous back pain that I've had throughout the last year or so, and it started flaring up when I got into Tallahassee, actually, and I think it was just from a lot of driving, a lot of sitting down, not stretching as much as I should be, not working out as much as I should be, um, and so, you know, I've tried to wean off the whole ibuprofen stage, and luckily, I actually took some of the CBD that I still had left over and took it down with me the final round. I actually put a lot of it on my back, especially my lower right side. And it felt nice because I actually felt comfortable out there throwing again. And what do you know, my last round was my better round out of all of them, it's my best round actually. And so it definitely felt good to kind of walk into something without the pains that I was previously experiencing. And so I've got a long week of disc golf this week and a tournament on Sunday. And so you 
Bet your butt that I'll be using it all freaking week. You're just excited about the chapstick, I'll tell you that. So you put on oh, some of this chapstick. Oh, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is the Max Wax. Hold on. It's the, okay, this is the one. This is Hemfield. Okay, the Hemfield chapstick. The see, oh, that see, that smells really good too. Hemfield Botanicals chapstick. Anyways, we love their product. Go check them out. You get 20% off. Nick and Matt, you see it on screen right now. Nick and Matt go 20% off at hemfieldbotanicals.com. Please do that. Supports us, it supports them. We're excited about it. We actually are really excited right now in our green room. We've seen it for a while. She is ready to go. Uh, our new system's working flawlessly, Ben. Thank you for that. So let's go ahead and bring in five-time world champion and first-time ever Champions Cup major winner, Paige Pierce. Welcome to the show, Paige. How are you doing? Good. How are you guys? Oh, there you are. Good. It seemed like your audio was significantly delayed. That might be our side. I don't know. But we heard you. Uh, tell us about this win. This. How did you go into this major? Did it feel exciting to you as a new major? Or were you not pumped for it? How are you feeling about going into this one? Oh, definitely pumped. I think everyone was pretty pumped, you know, just getting getting a fourth major on the schedule for starters, but then also to uh, be at the WR Jackson course. I mean, Nick, you, you saw it. it mm -hmm. The course looks amazing, and I think it's just a true test to the professional level of a player. So I was definitely stoked. For sure. And it... <sighs> It, I heard in your interview, I'm stuttering, you said along the lines of like, hey, people counting me out with four strokes back. Like maybe that hypes up your sports podcast, right? But like, you're like, I never thought I was out of it for a minute. Uh, tell us about that. Like, did the performance go the way you hoped it did? Obviously you won, but I mean, leading through the rounds, was it going the way you were hoping? Um, I mean, definitely after the first round, I was hoping to be under par, um, but I was stoked to get back to even par, you know? Um, bogeys are gonna happen for sure. Triple bogeys sometimes happen as well. Um, for me, it was just a matter of, I'm happy that it happened on my first hole, you know, because I have 71 holes left after that to, to make up for it. So, um, yeah, I wanted to shoot like, you know, between four and seven under, you know, somewhere in there seems definitely doable, but not, um, not putting too high expectations, but definitely doable. Um, so to come out even par, um, yeah, I wasn't stoked about it, but considering how the round started i definitely was happy with with that score yeah what's crazy is you know starting out with the triple bogey like you're saying on the first hole you get those jitters out of the way you're on the feature card the first round you get yourself back to even par like you're saying but we also have seen this over the last two years now is a really really competitive fbo side of the field and so after the first round you know we saw holly finley and Haley king up at the leaderboard kristen tatar was right up there uh, i think evelina was close by and so now we have all these players, new names kind of coming into it. What is that like now? I know we've talked about this actually a few weeks ago when you were on our podcast, but is this kind of like a motivating drive of you see players getting better and then you're still able to go out there and, you know, do your thing, but is it kind of like driving you to get even better? You know, what do you feel like you need to practice more um, yeah. to consistently win? I think, um, yeah, definitely, definitely. And we did talk about this, but, you know, for the viewers that weren't listening back then too, it's like, Last time we did this, uh, I was at my house and mm -hmm. while I was doing the podcast, Lisa, <laughs> Lisa Fakus was at my house and she was putting in the backyard. So, you know, mm -hmm. while, while I'm doing other things, people are practicing. So yeah, it definitely makes me feel like I can't take any days off. Um, and especially now that we're in the bulk of the season, like 
uh, you know, today was kind of like a driving day, nine hours away from our next event. Plus I, uh, just had to stop, make a pit stop. But, um, so yeah, it feels like tomorrow for me, I mean, after we end here, I'm going to get a couple more hours down the road and then wake up early so I can make sure and at least get one round in tomorrow. Um, because if I take too many days off, I know, um, my competitors are out there working hard too. So, uh, yeah, definitely want to continue to hone in my craft. Yeah, you and you are, uh, you said some things in your post round interview about, Hey, this was going to be a memorable moment, no matter what happened. And we've talked about this. I think the last time you were on recently, your perspective on things, life, all of that is combined into this. And I think that that was incredible to hear about, you know, it was going to be memorable. Was it, how do I put this? Uh, playing with Kristen down the final stretch as a competitor, you have to be pretty selfish, right? I mean, you are, but at the same time, you realize she wants it probably just as bad as you, or maybe not. What's your perspective on that when you and her are going down the final stretch? Like what's going through your mind? Oh, definitely get every single birdie you can possibly get, especially playing against Kristen. Like she is consistently getting better and better and better and better. And, uh, when she misses, she's not missing by much, you know? So it's pretty rare that you're going to get, uh, too many strokes on her. So for me to make up those four strokes back or five strokes back after round three, um, it's, I have to get every birdie possible and I got to go for Eagles. And it came down to that. I thought I was going to have to Eagle the last hole to win it. So, um, yeah, it, I mean, every single shot, like, and I, I rarely, rarely watch back disc golf rounds, but I really want to go watch that one back because I was so in the moment and so focused and in, uh, but I want to kind of see it from the outside and see like how it played out here and there because, um, yeah, I mean, you have to just focus completely on your game and what you're doing, um, and try to get those birdies cause she's doing the same, you know, right over there on the other side of the fairway. Um, so yeah, it was really fun, especially I think you guys could really tell like on hole um, 13, like we both cured our drives and we're, you know, inches apart our drives. So like it, that's kind of how it was. It's just neck and neck, you know, maybe she plays hole 10 better, but then I play 11 better and vice versa. So it was really cool battle to just have every single stroke be so, so, so important. <laughs> I think I think one of the things that was really fun to watch about it was you guys had a significant lead compared to everyone else in the field. I think by six or seven strokes, and so it almost turned into, you know, a match play event where yeah. let's say Kristen takes hole one, Paige takes hole two, bam, it's knotted up again. And you know, obviously it's stroke play, but going down into hole eighteen, um, I've heard nothing but the absolute utmost. And Robert Leonard actually said it when he was congratulating you for winner, but just the utmost respect you had after tapping in that last putt, I think people were saying you didn't even grab your putter. You went straight over to Kristen to give her a hug and pretty much just said like, you know, great competing against you. Has that relationship kind of grown with Kristen personally, or is it just any player you think that's battling out with you at those last moments? Or do you feel like Kristen lately, we've seen Kristen play incredible disc golf. Do you feel like that's kind of a relationship you two have against each other? Let's say, I mean, I would arguably say you guys are the one and two, FPO players in the world right now. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I mean, specifically with Kristen, yeah, it's a, it's a huge admiration and um, like, yeah, like kind of like it's, she's my peer, but I feel like I look up to her in a lot of ways as well. So like, I don't know, 
if I look back, like thinking like five, six years ago, European Open, you know, everyone's Hannah Nevelina, Hannah Nevelina, Hannah Nevelina. And I'm sitting over here watching Kristen throw these hyzer flips with her St. Pro, um, which she stopped throwing. So I'm like, damn it, Kristen, you know, why do you have to develop such a good sidearm? I loved watching your hyzer flip game. And <laughs> we joke with each other about it a little bit. But yeah, I mean, just thinking back on, on, on those moments and like, I've always admired her game. And so now to see her then develop that incredible sidearm, like her sidearm goes hand in hand with Kona's and uh, Jessica Weiss and uh, you know, so powerful and so such a long distance too. And um, yeah, just, I, I want to, the only way I'm going to get better is if the people around me are getting better as well and we're pushing each other. So for me, it's, it's really fun to watch. It's really motivating. And definitely there's a lot of uh, love and respect between us, but um, yeah, I mean, in those moments, it's just, it's, it's really weird. Like it's, it's just such a weird tournament because like for me tapping out, knowing that I already won, it's like, there wasn't like a moment of like triumphant, like celebration of like, Mm -hmm yes, I did it. Like I hit this huge putt and I won. It was just like, I've been in her shoes just a few months ago at worlds, you know, I was in her shoes and, and like, it was, it was right there. It was right there within reach. And, and you just don't execute in that moment. And, you know, people want to have, uh, uh, or ask questions like what went wrong? What, what were you thinking? What were you feeling? And it's just like, sometimes you just miss. Sometimes the pressure is too much. Sometimes like the emotions, like things that are going through your head. And, you know, I think that regardless of the way it came down, it's like, we did our jobs as, as athletes and as entertainers and, and gave the people a battle that was fun to watch. So, um, yeah, it was a, unfortunate how it went down and and I felt for her big time like I I I can if I can bring back those feelings of of the disappointment after world so like I just knew how she was feeling in that moment and like I didn't even know what to say but I just wanted just to be there but I hope I didn't like overstep my place like bringing myself into that moment with her you know and um but yeah I, I know I needed a hug after Worlds, so I just, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think, love. yeah, I think I was just going to say, I think people know your motivation, or I'd hope they would. And I know we talked about people saying lots of things. We brought that up last time, the whole internet. In fact, the internet was going wild today. I know you've been driving. I don't know if you saw anything, but are you aware that somebody texted your caddy during the first round? Your caddy, not you, not related to you, but were you aware of that? Uh, not during the first round, during the final oh, round. Yeah, during the final uh, round, yeah. And it was related to uh, Kristen's daughter walking. Did that interrupt your th- uh, pace of play in your mind or anything for you? Or was that not even something uh, you thought about? It was weird, for sure. Um, it was really weird. Uh, a lot of weird things happened during that round. I don't know how how many things get caught on camera and whatnot. But, yeah, lots of lots of weird things happened that round. Um yeah, it was on hole five, actually. Um, I remember we're, you know, we tapped out on four. We're walking to five's tee pad. And Joe, the president of the PDJ, actually, ta- I, I'm talking with my caddy. Her name's Haley, so I can stop saying my caddy. Um, but <laughs> I'm talking with Haley. 
And uh, I'm like, okay, today I'm going to throw my flippier passion so I can hit it. You know, we're literally talking about the game plan. And Joe, the PDGA president, comes in between us and he's like, hey, Haley, um, Elaine King sent you a text message. Do you mind checking your phone? And I just thought that was weird already because it's like, why is why is he talking to us? And why is Elaine, Elaine, first of all, Elaine's doing commentary. Why is she texting yeah. anyone? And two, like, I don't know what it's about. I have, no, I mean, if they have each other's number, then they're obviously friends. So it's none of my business. Like, okay, do, do whatever you need to do. I'm no problem. Anyway, I, I, I'm going to nail this tee shot, like do whatever you need to do, whatever Elaine needs to tell you so desperately in this moment. Um, but totally, I thought it was weird. Um, but hmm. yeah, then I just threw my shot. I hit an early tree. I went back to go like converse with my caddy, like, damn, I, you know, I missed that line, whatever. But she was uh, talking with Kristen in those moments. So I just kind of stopped, which I also thought that was weird because for me, um, I, I don't want my caddies to talk to me unless I, I want to talk to them. And so I definitely don't know what my competitors want as far as being talked to being, Hey, even like good shot. I don't know if that's appropriate ever. So I kind of just want them to just step, step back, you know? Um, but Haley's so sweet and you know, she's great. But, um, so yeah, um, just seeing them talking, I was, you know, curious, especially after the whole, right before the throw, Joe said that to her about Elaine and I'm like, what the hell is happening here? So, um, you know, she asked me like, Hey, how'd the shot go? So I'm like, okay, definitely. She wasn't paying attention. So Joe, <laughs> Elaine, Kristen, I'm like, what's happening? What is going on? And she just told me like what, ha what Elaine said, which was some variation of like, tell Kristen her daughter needs to be supervised and behind the ropes with someone who isn't a player or a caddy or she could be disqualified. And I'm like, what? Like, she's not even caddying. She's just hanging out there. Like she had the caddy badge on, but she's just there for support, you know? And to watch her mom play in the United States, like this is her first trip over to watch her mom play, you know? And I'm just like, what? And, and I'm like, so you told Kristen that? And she's like, well, I didn't tell her because it's just weird. Like, why would I tell Kristen that? But I just showed her Elaine's message and just let Elaine do the talking, but through my phone. And apparently like Elaine had already tried to reach out to Kristen, but Kristen wasn't checking her phone, of course. Um, but I actually called Joe, the president today. Um, I didn't see or hear about any of this um, until two hours ago when I stopped for gas. Um, and then just the internet's just gone crazy about this so i actually called joe because i didn't get a chance to talk with him after that and just say like hey just out of curiosity like why didn't you say something like why was it hey yeah Haley, see what elaine says and he said that he was unaware of what the message was but he got a text also from elaine that said tell Haley to check her phone and apparently Elaine was trying to do a favor of like, Hey, this is a rule violation. I don't want anyone to get disqualified. So I'm just going to tell someone that I know can relate to Kristen 
who is not an official because we don't want the officials to be like, Hey, you're breaking the rules. So I don't know. Mm. It's, it's really, really, really weird. And, um, yeah, I talked with Chris, uh, silver after the round and he just said like, you know, he, he said, congrats and everything. Good job, whatever. And then he just said like, you know, she's more upset about the Isabel thing than she is about the last hole even. So I just hate that that was even a, even a thought in anyone's mind. And I don't know how it even got brought up to Elaine or anything like that. Um, so I, I really don't know what to <laughs> say even about it, you know, just making sure that Kristen knows like we want her daughter here. We want her daughter to know that disc golf is inclusive, like no matter what age you are, I, I understand there's rules and people need to follow the rules, but nobody on the card cared. Nobody, obviously, I mean, the tournament director, the pro tour official, the PDJ official, the PDJ president, they were all there. The marshals. And yeah. Yeah. Like they were on our car Every one of them. walking. Yeah. Like, why didn't somebody say something if it wasn't cool? Why wait till the middle of the round? Like, you know that she walked up to whole one's tee pad with her. Why not say it right then and there mm. before anything's happening? So I don't know. Okay. I, I'm not sure what else to say about it. <laughs> That's fine. I will say later on for those listening right now, I'm not going to hold page up on this topic much longer. We will talk about, you know, what the rule looks like. We'll talk about how this may or may not, or should have, should not have happened. But I was just interested, Paige, in how that might have affected you because, as you mentioned, it was it turned a little crazy for you. We didn't see that on camera, but in review, like post-round review, I noticed, like, yeah, I could see Kristen's daughter there till hole four, and then she wasn't. So I will say this just so you have a little bit, I don't want to say peace of mind, but, like, the PDGA did find a way, a tournament director, to give her, like, a quiet sign so she could be as close to the front as possible, you know, not being separated by distance. But the whole scenario, as yeah. you illustrated it, is still, it just doesn't sit right. And I'll just leave it at that. But, um, so, last time you were on our show, you leaked baskets. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, Paige goes, I hope I don't get in trouble. Then Ulti World grabbed that quote. They ran with it. And I was like, well, there we go. So, that was just fun. <laughs> that was fun. Thank you for doing that. We'll do that again sometime. But let me ask this. Your post-round interviews, um, I think it's Texas State. And now you've alluded to, like, your family not being there. Can you just elaborate on that just a little bit? Oh, uh, well, yeah. You don't, you don't, I mean, well, I don't know. You Do, no, do what you okay. want with it. No, it's okay. It's just Alyssa tells me I'm too harsh on my dad sometimes. But, um, yeah, we've had, we've had some arguments, uh, I, disagreements, I'll say, over the last couple months. Just um, my younger brother, he's only 14 years old. Um, so, you know, I have, what, 17 years on him. So, um, in a way, it's like we're under the same household for a while. And I kind of almost felt like a parental figure over him. And, um, you know, then as you get older, you start to think about, you know, any traumas that caused or anything that caused you trauma as a kid or um, anything that your parents taught you that you want to keep close to you. And um, I've just been reflecting a lot, you know, because I, you know, being at the top of the sport and and getting so much criticism uh you know, there's a lot that goes in into being a professional disc golfer, professional athlete of any sport. Like, it's not just playing and getting birdies and doing interviews and podcasts and 
you know, it's, it's a lot of negative comes with it too, is, is all these voices that want to kind of pick you apart and criticize you. And, um, you know, there's a lot that you have to deal with on that. So I've kind of gone like internal and, and tried to, uh, you know, deal with some of that stuff, but a lot of it is like, Oh, why didn't you win? Oh, you're washed up, uh, this, this, and this. And, you know, in a way it hurts my feelings, but you know, I'm, I've kind of been used to it because my dad is so, uh, success driven and success focused. And, um, yeah, I I've had tournaments where he calls me after and he's like, Hey, you should have, you should have thrown this on that hole or, you know, get that one disc out of your bag. It's too flippy. And, Hmm. you know, instead of just like, giving me support like hey you know no worries like you looked good out there everything was good you know I have just expressed to my dad that I I would have wanted if I could go back as a kid and tell him how I wanted him to raise me it would have been to just support me in my failures too you know support me in my wins my failures my everything in between you know like um you don't have to win to, to be successful. And, you know, everyone says this, like, I want the best for my kids. And I just want my dad and all those parents out there to realize like what your definition of the best is may not be the same as your kids. And you, I think it's healthy to have a a conversation about that. Like what is, what do you want your life to look like? And, um, yeah, so it's just, it's, there's been some hard moments lately and, you know, my dad and I are kind of like taking a couple weeks off of communication because I took in what he had to say and he took in what I had to say. And we, we kind of left it at like, Hey, let's, let's really think about this and come back and, you know, not just have a reactionary conversation where we just kind of, take some time, think about it and talk back. So, um, yeah, I, I hope that he's understanding my point of view and that I don't hold him. Like I don't hold any grudges or anything, but I do want him to know, like you do have a 14, 14 year old in your house. And as someone who has won so much, even I don't hold the wins as that important. So, I would hope that he doesn't do the same for me and any parent out there. Like just, just know that, you know, your kid wants your support, not just the high fives when they do something good. They want your support when they fail, when they fall, like help them up, you know? So Mm. that's, that's all I'll say on that. I think. (laughs) Well, on a, um, on a kind of happier note, Evan had this really, really cool stat that talked about your major finishes in the last few years. And if Evan, if you can tell her this, because I think this is a pretty badass. This, this is really badass, actually. <laughs> yeah, you have finished in the top two at now 12 straight majors. Uh, to go back to the last event, you did not finish in the, in the top two. I believe it was 2016 U.S. Women's. Uh, yes, that is correct. So t- 12 straight majors in the top two is absolutely like unfathomable that's so like that's incredible to see 
um, to go with the 16 now FPO majors. Um, very awesome as a, a spectator Thank and you. researcher to see. And this, Thank this, you. Also, this also puts you one major closer to that goal of 20, which if anyone caught the live press conference, there's a little side bet going on between <laughs> a couple of Discraft players, two of the arguable goats in our sport. Um, can you allude on that really quick? Yeah. So actually it happened really quick. I actually, you were there, Nick. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was playing a practice round and I was solo and you and Paul were practicing and y'all let me play through. And Paul was like, Hey, good luck this week on our, on our race basically. And I was like, what? And he's like, we're tied. We're tied at mm. our majors. Like, um, whoever, you know, if one of us wins, we'll, we'll be ahead or whatever. And, um, so I was like, oh, sweet. You know, I'm not really thinking about that at mm -hmm. all. I'm just like, okay, what am I going to do on hole four? I'm going to throw this. Yeah. And now Paul's got this in my mind and I'm like, hmm, I can, <laughs> this will be good. This will be good. I can now yeah. compete against Paul, you know, and like give me a little bit of a different type of battle and challenge yeah. that I've ever even processed in my mind. So um, he's right as I'm walking away, he's like, let's see if Discraft will, you know, or because I said, oh, you want to do a side bet? And he's like, yeah, but not with me, with this crap. Let's see if they'll yeah. give us a big bonus for the first one there. And uh, so literally, I promise you, 30 seconds later, my phone vibrates. And Paul had sent a group message to myself and Bob. And uh, he's like, hey, this is what Paige and I are thinking, whatever. And Bob's like, hmm. he didn't say yes, but he also didn't say no. <laughs> um, and he was like, let me think about this. And, you know, Bob called me after my press conference. He was like, what in the world? I did not agree to that yet. And I'm like, well, now you kind of have to, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, now it's on the world. I know he's, he's probably sitting there figuring out how, how do we market this, you know, 20, 20 exactly major wins and they get a big bonus. Yeah. Like how do we make some money off of this, you know, to that's pay exactly that bonus. What he said. So, and that's what yeah. this craft is so cool about. It's like, they never say no. It's like, how can we make this work? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, actually, since the events ended, he's kind of gotten in touch with Paul and I both. Um, and he said, you know, if it if it's going to be a bet, there needs to be something on the line mm -hmm. if you get for yeah. whoever loses. Mm -hmm. So yeah. we, we've got some stipulations in place <laughs> and now uh, a little bit more of an idea of, of what that would look like. So um yeah well, don't I've, don't don't go and sign an nda or anything because in a few weeks when you guys figure all the stipulations we want you to announce it on the right. nick and matt show yeah, you yeah. Know? Yeah. exclusive <laughs> maybe that's yeah let's do it that's we, we actually paul's plan was yeah. yeah well there we go we'll bring paul on we've we've created a bunch of scenes here we can get them out at the same time we actually opened up the phone lines i didn't tell you we we're doing this but we have someone lined up what do you got welcome to the nick and matt okay. show congratulations on your win miss Paige pierce also Thank you very um much. A little bit on Elaine King, during your first couple rounds, you had some really early releases, and uh, I would like you to go listen to her commentary during your live round to hear what she was saying about why you were throwing these shots. She said specifically that you were aiming with the tee pad versus the fairway, and uh, enjoy the rest of your night. Oh, no question. That's okay. Just pretty much well, <laughs> watch it back. <laughs> He's telling you what to do. Oh, I can't. Yeah. I, He's still I, here. Uh, He's still here. Oh, 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 oh yeah. great. Yeah, I actually don't listen to the commentary. I find it to be um, detrimental to my game. Um, you know, they don't, they're not in my head. They don't know what I'm thinking. Um, but totally, I completely agree with Elaine. I was early releasing so many shots. 
And uh, I actually disagree with why her reasoning is. I, I'm a very analytical player. I want to know why I'm messing up, how I'm messing up, and fix it. Like I'm not the type that's gonna hit a hit a putt ninety percent of ninety percent good and call it a spit out. Like oh, it was probably a little high or a little left, you know. Mm-hmm. And I want to know that because then it helps me to to do better the next time. Um, but yeah, I I broke it down and I I realized it's. I was just scared of the gaps, you know, I, I, I was like trying to ease the disc into the gap instead of just popping it powerfully into the gap committed. Um, like I didn't want to fire it too hard and get a too hard of a kick, but that was, um, you know, hindering me even more so than it would have been to just commit. And, um, funny enough, like whole, what's that whole, whole nine of the final round. Um, all three of my previous rounds I had early released and went into the left side. And so whole nine actually said to Haley, my caddy right before, like, I am not early releasing this one and go back, look at the footage. I super late released it and just classic overcompensation. But um, yeah, I, I know what the problem is. And luckily I have some time to work through it over the next couple events because we're in the wide open, but um, yeah, that's not going to cut it again. Um, mm-hmm. Going into like Idlewild or, any of those later tournaments. So I need to get that dialed and, and just not be scared of the gap and just really attack it. Is that what you're going for live caller? <laughs> uh, uh, I'm on or I'm out of, I wasn't saying that going to listen to this commentary uh, at any um, video that you watch, but I think that she hit on some notes there. Uh, I've listened to all of it as I was doing some yard work, all of the tournament and nice. she has some good things to say. And I think it might be beneficial to hear because She's she's really good at like analyzing stuff. Even she she's doing it from video, and I think there's some stuff that she says in there that might be beneficial. And um, hey, yeah, it was spectacular to watch. Can I say at the very least, stuff like that's beneficial to me as a viewer. Thank you for calling. Uh, we will take one more call if they come in in the next minute, next sixty seconds. We'll take one more call. Um, so I think that's interesting. You're you're sharing what you do. You don't listen to the commentary, but you'll watch your play because I think you have that much experience. You're able to break down what you're seeing your mistakes are. In fact, do you recommend that, I'll say amateurs or any player, review their own video, set up a camera and watch themselves? Does that help, do you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, for me, I, I, I watch it back sometimes, but I put it on mute um, because, yeah, it's just someone else's opinion. And I know what I need to do. I'm a professional. I've been doing this for 25 years. And, um, yeah. I know my stroke better than Elaine King or better than anyone else. And so I'm definitely analyzing my own game, but I don't want to. Uh, yeah, I think it, I think it's super important to analyze your own game. And that's why you kind of see people doing the slow-mo videos and yeah. like, hey, form check. I mean, Chris Dickerson actually on the offseason, he does like, hey, send in your form, you know, whatever. Um, that's definitely the best way to do it. Just, excuse me, slow it down and see exactly what's happening when but um yeah definitely definitely awesome. beneficial we lined up so one more for, call nick let's let we, them in do we have one yeah okay. one more call welcome to the nick and matt show you're on with Paige and matt and nick and everyone else hey guys a uh, long time watcher good to finally uh be on the lines here i just wanted to give a quick shout out um and say that uh i've got an eight-month-old daughter at home and um, my wife and i just really enjoy watching Paige play and uh you know, not just the incredible shots that she throws, but also just her composure on the course and how she looks like she's having fun and actually treating other uh, 
you know, teammates and card mates with respect, kind of like on 18 after just went up to Kristen. So just wanted to give a shout out to Paige. Um, you know, thanks for really being a great role model in the sport. <laughs> We've already got some, some discs and minis in our daughter's hands and uh, we can't awesome. wait till she's old enough to start throwing. So, you know, maybe a little, uh, soul, passion, couple of other page discs <laughs> in her future, but uh, <laughs> awesome. just thanks for everything awesome. you do. And also, um, as a fellow video editor slash content producer, wanted to give a shout out to uh, Alyssa and your YouTube channel. And I know you guys just launched that not too long ago, but um, your content over there is really fun to watch, you know, not just disc golf related, but also like giving a tour of the van that you're sitting in right now and kind of how that all came together and what it's all about. So just wanted to kind of say thank you for your role in the sport and, uh, you know, hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Awesome. Thank, thank you so much. Thank I really you. appreciate it. Thanks for calling. And, and I was just going to say this one last thing from my perspective on listening to commentary. I had to laugh cause I was watching the live chat and someone's like, maybe don't cause Elaine calls out it's over halfway through hole 18. She says it's over. And she was calling it yeah. a lot. So like, eh, yeah. we'll, we'll, uh, that was a bogey on her part. Nick, what do you have? Oh, I was just going to say, um, you know, kind of my final parting page, arguably one of the best, female players ever to play the game um with disc golf rising the way that it is competition and just the local area more women are playing the sport if there's one tip you can give a woman and say a local pro local am local am three player what is one tip that you would give them to further progress their game um i think i would just say to trust yourself you know like w watch what you're doing be analytical and also just remember that you know we're just trying to throw discs in the woods, right? So don't get too hard on yourself and don't let other people get too hard on you. I think, you know, there's lots of voices that want to come in and, and uh, try to try to stir your thoughts around. But I think what we kind of just talked about, like get a video of yourself, slow it down. If you want to get better, show someone you trust, send it, you know, try to reach out to a local pro and like a course pro nearby and maybe they'll help you out. But honestly, just stick to what you're doing and, Disc golf is so unique. Like there's not one way to throw the disc. There's so many different ways. So whatever your way is, if you find a way that works for you, just keep working on it. If you, if you do it over and over and over again, it doesn't matter if it's unconventional or what, if it's the way Paul Macbeth throws or Paige Pierce throws or not, just keep working at it and uh, don't give up. There you go. All right. In fact, hey, now we put Evan up. We didn't drop Paige. <laughs> this is our <laughs> assistant producer here. He's working on the game. Better be ready by next week then. Okay. Uh, I said we weren't taking more callers, but they slipped in, and I don't want to just kill it. I could, but welcome to the show. You're on with Paige. This is it. We're done after this. You made it in. What's your? What do you want to say? Hey, Paige. This is Daniel from Texas, and I'm wondering, whenever you're going to a, a major like this, do you have all your tee shots already like written down like one through 18 that you know what you're going to throw already or you just kind of go off field and thanks. congrats on the win. Um, thanks for the call daniel yeah not already when i get there but um after the first round i kind of write some notes and after the first round it's kind of maybe has one or two different discs on it and then after the second round i kind of try both of those discs again or sometimes three discs um and then narrow it down and then i'll kind of have like um maybe like a one or a two where it's like that's probably what I'm going to throw number one, but it could change if I'm feeling like it or like we kind of just talked about that. I knew I was 
kind of being a little easy on the disc and I was kind of early releasing, then I'll kind of club down to something a little bit flippier so that if I accidentally early release it, it'll still pop up a little bit more than my more stable option would. Um, but yeah, so I'll, I'll write down this for sure. And then, um, I like it when they give you the paper caddy books, cause then you can kind of like, I'll even yeah. like kind of put a dot where my drives are landing mm. and then I'll kind of write down like, okay, it's about 300 to the pin from here or, you know, stuff like that. And I'll put little dots on the caddy book as well. Pretty cool. <laughs> that's like, that's awesome. neat. Like that's cool stuff. I listen to podcasts and I'm like, Oh, that's neat to hear. So I hope you all appreciated that dots on the caddy yeah. book. Uh, so, uh, we're going to let you go. And I just wanted to say last time we were offering you free beef jerky, but I just heard that it's <laughs> possible. It's possible. Double G is going to come out with a mushroom jerky. First of all, have you ever had a mushroom jerky? Oh, I have, okay. I have some in my van right now. Okay. Well, they're, they're looking, they're looking for feedback on that. So apparently it's good. We'll, we'll see if they do. It's well. It's very good. That. Okay. Nice. So that's something definitely that's... make it happen, Garrett. Oh, there you go. There so you go. that's good feedback. So when it happens, we'll give that away to you. <laughs> but in the meantime, right, have good. a have a good evening. We really do. I've said this a million times. Appreciate you making time. You're on the road. You're traveling to the next stop. We know it's your job. Uh, we do appreciate this. We value this very much. Thank you, Paige Pierce, for being on the mm -hmm. Nick and Matt show. Yeah, thanks guys for having me. Congratulations right, peace out. once again. Thank have a good you. one. Safe travels. All right, everybody. Badass, dude. Uh, Badass. Yeah, that was incredible. And we're, we're going to talk about that. But we got to crack into, while we do that, some sweet and spicy double G craft jerky. Now, this one right here is specifically known for being the wording succulent, which is like uh, a little bit moist. Like, it's not like a dry jerky. I'm passing it across, across the camera. This is number one in my mind. Okay, Evan says number one. It is. The flavor of this one is like a sweet chili sauce kind of deal in a way. Like it's got that like sweetness, a little spice. The spice is not what I don't even know for Nick. Nick, is it too spicy for you? The sweet and spicy one. So I actually I've had the sweet and spicy before. I don't 100 percent remember how it tastes. Okay. I don't know if I have a pack of that one right now. I'm actually dipping into the teriyaki, which is my favorite flavor. There you go. Um. But I don't remember. I do remember someone saying it is kind of hot. I think Silver said it. <laughs> kind of hot. Um, it's perfect. But I do remember liking it. It is absolutely perfect if you don't want like spicy spice spice. It's like got that just enough. You're feeling like a little warm, just a little, uh, at least for me. It's wonderful. In fact, Nick, after you gave that little speech last week on how hot the other one was for you, I was like, I need more of that one because you <laughs> made it sound so good to me. The way you were describing it and the way you were sweating, my mouth was watering. That's what I wanted. <laughs> it's so funny i'm like nick thinks he's saying it's a bad thing i'm like this is amazing pour hot sauce on it cheese the whole thing i will say they sell uh, they sell yeah they have player packs let me pull it up real quick uh player packs they have these cool i'm holding it on screen for our video listeners double g craft jerky cooler bags and the cooler bags for this um player pack you can get are filled with awesome things in fact the hat i'm wearing comes in the player pack you get jerk guys i just found more jerky <laughs> Let's go There's in this player pack. When we run out here, we can just pull it out of the player pack. You get minis, cups, pens, koozies. Uh, it's packed. And I always say this, the player pack I want has jerky in it. So check that out. Seven great flavors. I even heard, is it okay to throw somebody under the bus? Or let's just say an acquaintance of yours subscribed. Is that true? Yeah. Hans from Stat oh, Mando. Okay. Uh, he used code hey. Nick and Matt. Um, I, I think he got the monthly subscription. Wow. Don't quote me on that. That's good. Uh, he's a huge fan. He used the code. You guys should too. 
Yes. Collaborated with Paul Macbeth Foundation, Double G Children's Foundation. So a portion of your fund goes to each of that. We actually interviewed Garrett last week. If you want to know more about that, go check it out. It's an amazing product. Amazing people. And I can't get enough of it. It's my go-to snack all the time. Thank you. It's been my favorite yeah. favorite snack during rounds now because um, I have a ton of it right now, which has been incredible. Um, but long drives. I just drove back from Georgia today with Hannah, and I think it was about a five-and-a-half-hour drive, and I think I went through two different packs. One of them was the McBeast uh, barbecue one, and then I had the Garlic Lover's Dreams, which was awesome. So incredible. Garlic Lover's Dream? Is that what mm. it's called? Yeah, Garlic Lover's Dream. Yeah, it's insanely good. In, so, I love it. It's all good. And I even heard Just Double G once. Double G yeah. once was like, put them together like in a sandwich. You get like this mixed flavors. So all that's great. Yeah. Nick and Matt code. They'll give you a gift. We had somebody write us and be like, hey, we didn't get like a percentage off. Like, is this correct? And I was like, you get a gift. When you put in Nick and Matt, you get a gift with your order. And you're supporting us because we're collaborating together. So we appreciate any time you use the code. All right, we are excited, everybody, to welcome to the show on the road and traveling to the next destination to hopefully slay. I'm sure that's his mindset, at least. Let's welcome to the show uh, Chris Dickerson, the, the winner of the first ever Champions Cup, a PDGA major. Chris, welcome to the show. How's it going? Uh, it's going good. How are y'all? Oh, good. We're, I was good. We're fantastic. Chris, I'm we're... actually on the show the week that you're on the show, too. <laughs> you know, who would have thought? <laughs> that's true last time if you remember chris he called, he was one of your fans calling in on the hotline uh-huh he's like hey chris i got a question for you hey still still a big fan i'll tell you that still a big big fan awesome that is so fantastic so going into this event what was your mindset and i mean mindset in the sense well tell us whatever you want but in the sense of this is a first time event did it seem like a big deal to you going into it um, yeah, it was, uh, I mean, obviously any major that you go to is a big deal. Um, I felt like it was even more of a big deal because we were finally back to WR Jackson and, um, always look forward to playing that event. So yeah, it was a big deal for me. Okay. Talk to us about the kind of preparation going into the week. You know, how many days you get there in advance? How many practice rounds do you do before a big event like this? And then just your preparation during the tournament itself, kind of like, you know, what do you do afterwards? Or kind of like anything like that. So preparation before, uh, we, we got there 12 days. Is that right? Yeah. 12 days uh, total counting the tournament. Um yeah, and I mean, just I would practice at least one round every day. Um, most days, two rounds. So um, by the time most people were getting there from the Florida tournament or taking the week off, um, I had five, six, seven rounds in on the course. Mm. And does this course play to your strengths? Uh, do you feel yes? Yeah. Yeah. I think it definitely does because, uh, you've got to be smart out there and, uh, you've got to be accurate. So you, you can't just go, I mean, you definitely can just go ripping whatever driver fairway 
uh, even mid in the woods, but you've got to be smart about how you're doing it. You've got to know when to do it and when not to. And um, hopefully the kicks are going your way, even whenever you are playing smart. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I want to say this, and I just speak M. Matt Graham. I've said stupid things on this show. I was never in the camp that Chris Dickerson is the best in the world. Now, this event, and I think this has for a lot of people, I've been talking to a lot of people, this event has been like that tide change a little bit. Like, okay, I might not have been convinced before, but this, you're one of five now to have two majors. Um, Is that correct? In the last 10 years. In the last 10 years. So like this last decade of competition, you know, Paul and Ricky, and now it's starting to be like, well, dang. Okay. So like, do you feel like this event is going to have, have you heard things like that? What does it mean to you to have this win? Um, I have heard a couple of things like that. Um, I can't remember where it was, but they were talking about, yeah, the, uh, I think the five people to have two majors within the last 10 years. Um, I read an ulti world article, uh, before the last round that was talking about what, what is kind of on the line for this event. And for, um, for me, I remember that they wrote, um, I've kind of established myself uh, so far, but uh, this win would, I guess, solidify it, I think is kind of what they said. So um, it's it's good to know that I don't I don't know how to put it, but it's good to know that people think that I'm uh, able to compete every weekend. Hmm. Ranking systems, and I think it's UDISC, puts you at second. Is that correct, Nick, or anybody second in the world right now as far as rankings go? And I'm just going to ask you simply, do you feel like you're number one in the world? You know, I think you should – if you ask everybody that question, I think they're going to say yes uh, because you've got to believe in yourself – you know, if you don't think you are, I don't think you could ever get there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm going to have to say everybody thinks that they are. So, <laughs> yeah. what, a, what a humble way to answer the last two questions. I absolutely love it. It just thought out perfectly. Uh, one of the big things this year was, you know, a massive switch from Prodigy to Discraft. And some people go into that with, you know, kind of big nerves. Some people don't go, you know, that first year with winning an event. You've come out, you've won two Silver Series events. You've played great at almost all of your events that you've played. And now you come out and you win a major at an incredible course, one that I think suits almost every level or every player's skill set that's in that top level against what was arguably the most competitive field in any tournament that we've ever had. Is the confidence coming from your play just in general how you are as a player or do you actually feel like these discs are coming into play of their filling slots that you may not have had before um i do think you know with uh being able to throw quite a few more discs than um sorry uh <laughs> <laughs> 
for our okay. audio listeners who aren't seeing what's happening, he's got a dog. I think he's being chauffeured around. He's going through different cell towers. There's a lot happening, and we appreciate his time. Uh, so I we interrupted the question, or the alarms did, but com- complete your thought if you remember. Okay. Um, I think with the – there's so many options uh, for different discs. So I, I do feel more comfortable, more confident with uh, – Okay. Gotcha, gotcha. Now talk to me. I was watching live coverage or I was watching post. I forget which one it was, but someone said you're throwing a bonsai on hole two, maybe? Now, if I'm not mistaken, that's a DGA disc. What's that kind of in relation to a disc craft line? Like what what is the bonsai for people who may not know about it? Um Let's see. Uh, I'm having a hard time hearing Nick, but did you say uh, what is it compared to uh, discraft wise? Yeah, exactly. Like, what, what's the bonsai like? Um, it's it's kind of not like uh, anything that I've thrown yet. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe like a slightly more of a stable vulture. Um, it's it's unique. It's very unique. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, and it's it's probably our settings, by the way. We have Nick figured out. On our side, it's great, but I'm sure we got to work on this. This is new software for us. This was different from the last time you were here. Um, real quick, Ben, let's go ahead and open up the phone lines with Ben uh, with Chris on here. And if anybody wants to call in, we can. We'll get him some questions. And and Chris, don't think you're leaving the Nick and Matt show without competing in stat or fiction. It's happening. You have a record to have to defend. I think so. We will get to that. Okay. All right, go. we actually just have a caller calling in now. We're going to answer it, and we'll see if hopefully you can hear them well. Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. You're on with Chris, and what do you have? All right, my name is Eddie. I'm calling out of Virginia. Uh, I was wondering if Chris is planning on playing the Silver Series at Lake Marshall and taking on challenging Zach Melton for Zach's streak of wins at that course. Okay, if you heard that, Chris, challenging at Lake Marshall, are you going to be there? Yes, um, I do plan on being there. Uh, Lake Marshall is one of uh, my favorite properties to play on. Uh, So there's three courses on the property. One's kind of an easy, uh, one's pretty wooded, and one is a very much uh, championship-level course. So um, I'm looking forward to the Silver Series and hopefully – you know, that can evolve into uh, a full-on Pro Tour event eventually. Okay. Yeah, it's a great venue. Now, if we get another caller, we'll take them. But I want to go back to, I feel like there's so much more that could be said about your, your win and how you performed. Uh, I don't want to make this about Ricky, but were you surprised at all that he was missing his putts in the throughout the last round? I think there were a couple. Uh, I think I think about two of them that kind of stick out to me. Um, I was a little surprised. Um, I mean, they were, they were online. I believe both of them were just a little low. Um, if I remember correctly. So yeah, it was, it was a little surprising, but, um, you know, everybody has off days. Yeah. And it seemed like you kind of, uh, 
were playing consistent enough that his spirit was broken after he missed a few more. He's like, it's over. Like, Chris is going to take this down. And I think he, you could yeah. see that and feel that in the tournament play. Uh, we did line up one more call. Again, if if I understand, Chris, it's hard to hear for you, but um, let's bring him into the show. Welcome to the Nick and Matt show. What do you have? Hey, Chris, uh, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, uh, this is Daniel in Texas, and I was just wondering, I noticed on at least a few holes, you were throwing a mid-range when other players were throwing drivers, and was that your strategy coming into this to throw slower speed discs on some of these holes and just keep them in the fairway? Thank you. Um, Let's see, what what hole specifically? Okay, we actually just dropped him, so I'm not sure. 18, you threw a buzz. Um, did you throw a buzz on 17? Um, let's see. 18, only threw buzz the final round. Mm-hmm. 17, I threw a wasp mm-hmm. the third round. See if they can hear you. I think you're breaking. No, um, we can, we no, can hear good. you. We, can you all hear Yes, we can hear yeah, you. We can actually hear Brittany fine, too. Yeah. <laughs> your, video, your video is a little bit choppy. That's fine. We're hearing you clearly. In fact, people do want to hear from Brittany, so that's fantastic, by the way. Um, but so <laughs> let's see. Daniel, is he answering? Is he giving us more in the chat here? Uh, keep finishing if you remember the question. He said 18 for sure. This is in the chat. 18 for sure. I thought some others as well. Uh, 18, the final round, was the only time I threw uh, mid-range. I threw a buzz there because I felt like it was something that um, I had the best chance of just hitting the gap with, and it actually turned out to be my furthest drive um, of the weekend. (laughs) But uh, 17, I had been throwing – or no, I threw Wasp uh, one round, and I want to say there was one more. Oh, um hole 14 the first three rounds i threw buzz the final round uh watching everybody kind of get around the corner uh kind of talked me into throwing a fairway but besides that i'd went mid-range um every round just to be a little safe okay um i'm doing a quick little refresh on the data we're taking from chris hopefully maybe that will that will help a little bit is and i know i'm gonna put her on the spot does 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 your wife mind answering a question or is she like no, like no, not happy. Oh. Um, no, lay down. She should be fine. Uh, <laughs> once we, you know, uh, figure out Sam and everything that he's doing. <laughs> Sam the dog. Hey, go full okay. screen. Go full screen on them, Ben, so we can see Sam the dog. Oh, there's there's Brittany. Brittany, I don't think we've ever had you on the Nick and Matt show. It is a little jumpy, and you have a dog, and I'm sure there's a lot going on. <laughs> so this is kind of fun. Um, if you can hear this clear enough, what what is it like for you caddying in the biggest moments for your, or not caddying, be the, being there, the biggest moments with your husband like that? What is that like? Oh, oh, jumpy. Well, technically I am a caddy. You don't have to carry the bag to be a caddy. <laughs> but, um, cause I clarified this with Jeff Jacquois. <laughs> And he oh. said, I don't care okay. if you're just there. Uh, hold on. Hold on one second. We we have got – we, I don't know if you can hear us, but we can't hear you very clear. So I'm going to try to fix that real quick. <laughs> I feel bad, but I know our listeners can't hear it well. Uh, and so I, I was uh, just trying to so – oh, she's still going. Can they hear us at all? I think – Hold on. Yeah. There's – Really? <laughs> 
Hold on for a second. Ben, just mute them for a second so we don't have to do that. I am going to try another refresh. Okay. Unfortunately, right now, they're not hearing us. We're hearing little bits of theirs, but we're going to try to establish that connection again. We're taking almost no data. And for anybody who knows technology right now, like we're taking like literally not even half a megabit upload speed from them. So they're in a very bad uh, service area, unfortunately. Uh, so I don't know if we'll be able to reconnect this. But as soon as we hear back, Chris, I don't know if you're hearing us okay now or not, but if you are, we can uh, keep going or, <laughs> or we can try to reconnect another time. Okay. Okay. I apologize because can you hear me? Yes, I can hear yep. you. I apologize because it was getting so bad, like we couldn't really hear, so we kind of just threw it to mute for a little bit. <laughs> um, so I think I, I would love to hear from Brittany, but I don't want to. I don't want to make it be awkward like that again, where we can't hear very well. So I think we should try to go into Statter Fiction and see if we can get through that. If by chance things get better, we would love to hear from her. Um, so let's go ahead and jump into Statter Fiction. Stat or Fiction, okay. presented by Stat Mando. Okay, and just like that, Stat or Fiction is up, and we are hopefully going to be able to communicate here. Evan, take it away. All right, loving the new graphics, by the way. If you're not watching uh, live or through YouTube, check it out because it's looking pretty sleek. Um, I'll get right into it. Uh, we all heard about or saw Paul Macbeth with a fire last round, uh, which was preceded, right? That's before that was a sub 1000 rated round to then shoot a 1090 rated round. So my stat or fiction is this was the third time Paul Macbeth ever threw a sub 1000 rated round directly followed by a 1090 or higher rated round. Wow. I feel like I heard stats surrounding this, that he's done it a handful of times, but you said third time ever? Third time ever that Paul Macbeth has done that. And again, I'm going to be clear that it's back-to-back -back rounds, going sub-1,000 to then 1090 or higher. 1090 or higher? 1090 like, or higher. Has this ever happened before? Is or I'm, I'm saying it's the third time. Is that, stat or is that a stat or fiction? Stat or fiction. This is the third time. Nick, you're right. up. I'll go first. Fiction. Why, Nick? Was it the fourth time or fifth time? Oh, I, I ain't saying. All right. I am saying that this was... That's... Paul, that's sad if you're doing that. That's really inconsistent. You need to step up your game. <laughs> um, I'm going to say that is... Nick's saying fiction. I have to go with him, but I'm going to say stat because try to get some points on him. All right. Did you hear that question, Chris? I did. All right. You're up. Okay. I'm gonna also say fiction. Okay, I got it. dang it. Can I switch mine now? No, I'm kidding. Here we go. Evan, what is it? All right. I have this as stat. I wanna hear from Nick now, uh, cause my track record with Paul Macbeth isn't the best, but I'm pretty confident with this. So Nick, no, why don't you I, take I it honestly, away first? I, I may have sounded confident with that answer. I, I honestly have no idea. That just is absurd to me if he's gone. I. I can't think of another tournament where he went sub thousand and then followed it up with the 1090, to be honest. All right, I, can't, well, I can't think of one. I will give it to you then, because this was indeed the third time. It happened for the first time at the 2012 Charleston Classic. He shot a 981 oh. uh, round one and a 1098 round two. 
The second time it happened was the 2018 Utah Open. In round two, he shot a 972. In round three, he shot a 1092. And then the third time was just this past weekend, where in round three, he shot a 984. And in round four, he shot a 1091. The interesting gotcha. tidbit here is it progressively has gotten later in the tournament. The first time it was the first and second round. Then it was the second and third. Now it's the third and fourth. So maybe we see it again, but it'll be the fourth and fifth round. I have a really cool kind of like uh, stat at the end of this that I'll say. Just Evan, remind me. I don't want to take up our time now, but go ahead. All right. All right. <laughs> I will try to remember that. Uh, no promises because I'm not going to. Cool. I'll try to remember it. Okay. All right, stat or fiction number two. Uh, Gavin Babcock made lead uh, lead card for the final round. Incredible. His best previous major finish was 49th. Um, he has six C-tier wins in his career. Uh, and Sorry, six wins in his career, and they're all C-tiers. Um, meanwhile, the rest of his card, the last round, are decorated elite series and major players. Um, so my stat or fiction is... The largest field Gavin Babcock has ever won an event at was only 14 other players. So a field of 15, 14 others. The only one he's ever won at. Sorry, the largest field. Largest he's ever field had 15. Yeah, come in first place at take home the dub. And, and before I answer that, not to make things confusing, but the last one, the audience poll was nearly split 50-50 as well on, on Paul's whether that was third. Yeah, that was close. Uh, so interesting i actually do not know very much about this player he's performed well this year my answer because i'm gonna go first nick went first last time my answer on gavin by the way funny stat or funny i saw someone comment somewhere they're like good cop babcock (laughs) (laughs) i don't know why that's so funny but it is so anyway (laughs) that's so funny to me i'm gonna say that is true which is, is which is stat. Thank okay. you. Yes. Go ahead. Uh, Chris Dickerson, you're up. Mm. I'm going to say fiction. By the way, your camera and your audio, everything's coming through great now. So fantastic. We'll talk to Brittany in a little bit. <laughs> so I, it's funny enough because actually when I saw you tweet that he has six wins, I wanted to go through and see his wins. I know one of them, he made like a 350 bucks at a one rounder. And for some odd reason, I don't feel like there was 15 people or there was more than 15 people. And so I'm kind of like, I think it's fiction. So I'm going to go fiction. All right. Nick, the researcher coming in because this is fiction. Um, You saw it right. And that was my tiebreaker question. So now I got to figure out a new tiebreaker question. (laughs) If we get to that. We're all tied. Um, Gavin Babcock won $385 at a one round C tier with 41 other players in the field. That was the 2020 Heiser holiday at Winterfront. Dot, 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 two, dot, dot, dot. Wow. 51% said stat. What's the stack? <laughs> ben, Ben's putting stuff in the poll and he said, is it stat fiction or staction? <laughs> And so 50% said fiction or staction because they weren't sure, I guess. But 51 said stat. So anyways, it was split across the board. But we're all tied up now. One to one to one. And this is a lot on the line, Chris. Here's the third one. All right. I said earlier that uh, Paige Pierce took her highest cash prize for a standard stroke play event in her career. She took down eight grand from 263 strokes. So that is a cash per throw value of $30.42. That is all true. Statter fiction number three is at 32 to 32 
$1,000.42. This was Paige Pierce's highest cash per throw from any standard stroke play event. I want to be clear, the standard stroke play does not include the match play or tour championship where she might not have played all the rounds. So this event specifically? This event was her highest cash per throw from any standard stroke play event. Okay. And the number you gave us before was just to reiterate what was... Yeah, it was $30.42. That is correct. So is that the highest, $30.42? Then, Chris, I'm sorry to put you on the spot with the last one, but you're up, man. That's okay. Um, You got to have that confidence. You got to know you're going to get it right. I'm going to say that that's fiction. (laughs) I'm going to go stat. Oh baby, this is I'm I'm going fiction as well. So either Nick wins or we go to a playoff, Chris. So here we go. All right. Okay. This is fiction. Uh, <laughs> We're going. I'm going up against the champion cup major winner, baby. I made it. <laughs> yeah. So fun fact, one of our researchers at Statmando, uh Carl was in the chat just dropping stats. And he goes, this is Paige Pierce's second highest cash per throw uh, after 2020 U.S. women's. Uh, and I had to quickly message him, like, Carl, chill out. Like, that's one coming up. Uh, so nice job, Carl, reading my mind. So now that we took your uh, tiebreaker. Yeah. What should we do? An arm wrestling contest or something, Chris? We'll save it for later. <laughs> I I can do a fun one here. So I, okay. I, I gave you the, the event. It was 2020 U.S. women's. Um, I'll also say that it was $30 and 56 cents oh, wow. cash per throw only barely higher than what she earned wow. here. Uh, 14 cent difference. How Wait, many did you say $30 or $32 and 56 cents? Uh, it's thir- three zero. They're both three zero. Wow. I, every time I say it, I'm in my head thinking 32. I, so I might've misspoke <laughs> there, but it is three zero dot. And then cents for both of them. Oh, uh, uh, okay. I was going to say I won if that, okay. But okay. Uh, yeah, all, yeah. Right, all right. All right. Uh, how many throws did she throw in the 2020 U.S. Women's? The winning, the winning um, number of strokes. Yeah, and this is not to par; it's just total number of strokes. Like this weekend was 260. Any hints, like how many rounds there were? I forget. You gotta know that. Yeah. No, Chris is shaking his head. Uh, which which event did you say? What 2020 yeah. U.S. Women's. 2020, two years ago, U.S. Women's. Uh, last year sorry 2021 oh my goodness oh my goodness oh my goodness 2021 u.s women's there, <laughs> we'll get it there wasn't a u.s women's in 2020 as okay. the women's national championship um for page uh, 2020 u.s women's so oh i just did it again oh my 2021 okay <laughs> numbers are hard <laughs> stat, stat mando numbers are hard we need a t-shirt right now okay um i'll go first it's just who's closest so two uh, Two, two forty eight. Is that way off, Chris? You go. <laughs> I don't think you're way off, but I also don't want to uh, prices right you either. You can. It's the over under. <laughs> no. It's the over under. I don't. I don't want to do that. <clears throat> I'm gonna say you said two forty what? Eight. Two forty eight. Okay. I'm going to say 238. Oh, he's I believe going it's on under. the lower side. He's going under. It's under. Is he? But now, did we split the difference? What's the answer, Evan? No, Chris takes it home. 
This was a three round ah. event at some Oof. notably short or like easy to par, I want to say, like par three courses. It was only 144 strokes. Whoa. Oh, God. Wow. So uh, <laughs> he didn't price his right me. <laughs> yeah. Chris was still like 88, 86 or something. I don't know. Uh, a chunk off. Um, but hey, that was part of it. I said I wasn't going to say how many rounds it was. And you got to remember what courses it was. A lot of par threes. All right. Uh, but I knew the I knew the courses. I didn't know how. So I, I thought it was a four rounder. What, what's the record for Chris now? Do we know what the record is for him on Statter Fiction? Uh, it was, I believe, four and two coming to today. Four and, and that's that's just regular questions. Oh, I, but like I performance, winning, and all that, we don't know. All right, <sighs> I need if if anyone wants to take on that task because <laughs> I think he has it. I think he has the dubs. Okay, all, all three. I think he has the dubs all time too. I don't think I, he's lost. I can go back and look the at the chat ones. is calling out for Chris to be a permanent spot on this show. He's been enough lately. We'll do it. But let's go ahead and, and I can hear now. Brittany's down for it. I can yep. hear and it's clear and our communication's pretty good. Let's go ahead and ask that question again. We didn't really hear anything, Brittany. So you can say whatever you want again, and uh, we'd love to hear it. So like, what does that mean to you? to caddy for him in a moment like this. This is a big event. Like, what does that mean to you? And of course, the video did something funky. No way did it freeze. Yeah, literally, <laughs> she took it. It was perfect until she was handed the phone. Oh. <laughs> so hold on, they're gonna get it. They'll get it back up. So just go. The chat is reminding me though that Nick, you have a stat. Do you want to get to that? <laughs> oh no, she's back. She's oh, back. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I don't know so how we did it, but you're back. I went to turn the volume up and I locked my phone. So. Did you hear the question? Um, what does it mean to yeah. caddy for Chris? Yeah, in, in, those, in that big moment like that. You've done it a couple times, but this is another big one. Yeah, so when he won 2020 USDGC, so his first major, I was working and was basically told to stay away from him oh yeah um so i didn't really get to exp i didn't even get to hug him or anything or have any experience with him during that so and i obviously worked for the pro tour last year um so coming to discraft this year has allowed us to be like to a point where i don't have to work i can go back to the reason i came on the road which was to make his life easier um and it's felt really good and i feel like he's playing very confidently and i think that it helps him to have someone there just like when he has a bad shot to like touch his shoulder say hey take a breath maybe touch a tree and ground yourself with the earth um you know obviously he's capable of doing it without me he's done it several times before but it feels good to see him playing at this level. And I mean, I'm just really proud. I've known Chris since I was 15 years old and um, this is never what I thought our life would be, <laughs> but I'm just really proud of him. And it, um, it makes me cry almost every time I didn't cry yesterday, but <laughs> yeah, just really proud of him and happy to be a part of this and just thankful that we get to live this life of travel and, it's pretty cool. That is cool. Chris, you can still hear me, I'm hoping. Do you play better when she's around? Sometimes. Oh <laughs> I put him on the spot. Um, oh, no. Just don't okay, touch I thought I almost did it. <laughs> <laughs> this is classic. 
Yeah, so sometimes uh, I definitely do play better whenever she's around, but it's not for uh, – it's not always the reason, like, um, being comforted that someone's there. Um, that's not what I meant. No, no, it's not – I'm not – it has nothing to do with what you said. Uh, but, no, there, there are some times where um, – one one tournament specifically was the Brett Hambrick no, Memorial. No, you cannot. He's not allowed to tell this story. No, um, <laughs> Brittany, if you so, can hear me, we want the story. We're we're a room of guys over here wanting yeah. the story. Wait, wait. I just I just want to preface this. This was 2018. I think I was still a teenager. I was a very mean teenager. So let's just preface the story with that. Okay, that's so, a good preface. I like that. That's fair. All right, Chris, you're on. <laughs> okay, so we were at the Brent Hambrick. Um, I think I was warming up. No, it, I was like two or three holes into the round. It was a 27-hole round, and um, she goes, I don't know why you putt with that putter. It's not going in. <laughs> and uh, the rest of the round, every time that I made a putt, I, I basically just stared her down or I said, yeah, that one went in, didn't it? <laughs> so um, it's almost like a little bit of talking trash uh, fire, fires me up sometimes. Especially when it's with uh, the girl you're interested. Was this, you said girlfriend, right? Or wife or fiance at the time? Uh, at the time it was a uh, girlfriend. Okay. That's the best time to be like that. That's how I got my wife. We would just we would just argue and say fiery things to each other, and it was awesome. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, I mean, I kind of did that at the beginning of the tournament uh, this past weekend. So uh, the bonsai that I was throwing a lot, um, I picked it up Monday before the event. Um, I had thrown a bonsai a long time ago, but just started throwing it in practice really liked the way it flew and she said you're not going to throw that during the tournament are you you've only thrown it for a couple of days i said yeah flies great of course i am so first <laughs> i think the first shot or two with it um i threw and i was like oh yeah um i'm definitely going to keep throwing that thing because it you know it flies good why wouldn't i throw it mm. yeah yeah that's cool man like that's that's stuff I like to hear about. It's fun because those of us who are married can only imagine that sound. It actually sounds like fun to do on the course. <laughs> like it watch, is. Watch this. That's great. <laughs> hey, I'm, Brittany. I'm, Brittany, is there anything you wanted to correct there or add to that? I just think that he tries to make me sound like a bad person. That's not what I'm doing. No, we so I was. Uh, you can't. I, I don't think you can come off as a bad person. You don't seem that way to anything on coverage or anything else. At least that, from my perspective. Mm, mm, <laughs> um, <laughs> I was great. just trying to help. I was like, babe, it's two days before an event. Like, do you know this disc? Is it a good idea to to put a brand new disc in your bag two days before the first major of the year? And I was wrong, okay? I'll admit it. I was wrong. Now, now, Brittany, I have to be very careful with how oh, no. I talk to Brittany because that's why I I haven't said anything to her this whole time because we have this long, ongoing kind of bickerment back and forth since I first met her. But um, now let's let's kind of reverse the roles really quick. If you were playing at the top level and Chris said to you, hey, you're not really going to throw that disc actually for the next two days, like what would that be called? Do you know? <laughs> There's a word that we keep using. 
Um, so Nick likes to do this thing called mansplaining. Um, he's recently, actually, I'm really proud of him. He's not mansplained to me in a while. And then he almost did once and he caught himself. Yeah. So I'm really proud of him actually. Um, but yeah, the first time I ever met Nick, um, he was getting out of the car with Hannah and Paul in Vermont. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Hannah, are you okay? She just looked super annoyed. And she's like, yeah, Nick's just mansplaining to me right now. So that's like the first time I met Nick, he was mansplaining. And then the next time I saw Nick, he mansplained to me. And then like a year, this last year at Worlds, uh, we had this a was the worst Mustang one. rental car. And Paul goes, oh, rev it up. No, and I Nick said goes, that. Oh, she doesn't know how to do that. <laughs> what? But... So I, I get told a lot that I speak too loudly at times and it's just a fault of my own. I, I I'm from Massachusetts. We talk wicked loud and, you know, we had said, you know, Hey, rev it up. It was a sweet little gray Mustang. And, you know, we were just making a casual joke, like, Hey, rev it up or like do a burnout or something funny. And she was like, no. And so I thought I said under my breath and this was a joke. And it did not come off that way. But I was like, oh, she probably doesn't even know how. And then she literally turns, gives me like dead eyes. And she was like, oh, I know how. And I was like, oh, God, I actually just mansplained something. But then uh, a few months ago, we were all at a tournament. And I don't remember how the conversation came up. But we were talking about a way a shot was thrown or something with a sport. And I 100% mansplained. And I can't remember what it is. But I literally said it and I was like, holy crap. And because Brittany was right there. And I was like, I just mansplained to you. I was like, oh my God, all this time I've been doing it. And so all right. it's just funny. No I, have, I have to be very I have to be very careful with how I interact with Chris and Brittany because well, you know, I'm no, still, I'm, you still, I'm, still I'm still a big fan of Chris's, and yeah, so I don't want Chris to get in. mad at me. We need to do that, Nick. We'll go to a different scene where you're yeah. not up on camera. We'll have you call in and be like, big fan. Um yeah. Can I ask, because Brittany's, Brittany's here now, was Chris fired up and pumped up after that win or during, like, the last hole? Was he fired up? Could you tell? No, he was just, like, because I even said to him, like, after, here, do you just want me to hold it? You're struggling. <laughs> um, I even said to him after he threw his, like, I think his second shot on 18, I was like, look, I didn't get to hug you after you won USCGC. So I expect a very big hug. And he, he was like, it's not over yet. He's just like super focused. <laughs> like I haven't won yet. And I mean, he was happy after, but I wouldn't say like overly excited. Okay. It's just not a Chris thing to be overly excited. Were, were you, but this is the interesting, were you excited inside at your levels, Chris? Like if you had to give it one through 10, how excited were you? I need to know. Yeah. Uh, I was very excited. Like a, a nine or a ten. Yeah, I think. <laughs> to know. Well, I Good said this know. earlier before you got on the show, Chris. I said this earlier, but I think you were so excited that you forgot to let let all the other players tap out. You were the furthest one out from like seven feet, and you just went over. You drained that putt before Ricky, Calvin, and I think Gavin made his putt. So Ricky and Calvin still had to putt out. You just walk right up and you just you just drain their sails right then and there. So yeah, um, I was thinking about it as it happened. Because um, I knew I knew I was further than both of them, but uh, whenever we walked up to the green, we were all just kind of standing there, mm -hmm. and 
I thought to myself, well, I mean, if nobody else is going to go, I'm the furthest one. I might as well. Mm-hmm. It was so, just, yeah, it was funny because Adam and I were sitting there. We're like, yo, Chris, hold up. Like, yo, you don't putt yet. Like, stop for a second. And then you just <laughs> this is for obviously you. go up. Yeah. Well, that's but, awesome. Dude, it was it was awesome. It, it was super fun to watch. Those last five holes were five incredible holes of disc golf going 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Birdieing, birdieing 15, um, which I think arguably is one of the hardest birdies on that course in general. And then for 17 to get your tee shot in that clutch of a moment all, you know, up the hill for a large portion of it, um, just made for incredible disc golf to watch as, you know, a player, as a fan, as a spectator. Um, it was a really, really fun show. It's mm. it's been incredible to watch you this year. You know, yeah. I think what what were the silver series this year? It was Belton. Uh huh. Um, what was the other Music one? City? Music City. Music City. Okay, Music City, and then now to go out this big major. I mean, dude, hell of a season so far. Yeah. Thank you so far and i want to say Brittany, thank you for coming on as well i know yeah. there's some weird tech issues you had to drive find cell spots all the good stuff i mean i won't drop any names but we've had people driving and taking an interview like driving I, i'm convinced they were so i appreciate what you've done for this we had fans write to us and ask to get Brittany on the show they said we've heard from chris let's get Brittany." so uh we'll, we'll have to do this again are you as competitive as chris um i am very competitive but i'm like not athletic so i just board games you like board games yes i'm very competitive with that stuff but like disc golf or anything like that i just well i can't play because i have a bad hip and also like i'm so competitive but i suck so (laughs) um so yeah i am competitive he's definitely more but when we play board games it can get a bit heated okay there you go. Yeah, oh. it's, it's as it should be, I guess. I don't play board mm-hmm. games with my wife because she says mean things to me when she beats me. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But uh, no, it was great having you on. Um, that was good. It was a lot of fun. So, like I said, weird tech stuff, but we made it through, and this was one of my favorite interviews I've ever done. So thank you very much. Thank you all. <laughs> thank you, guys. All right, good luck it. out there on tour. Uh, we'll be watching, and we'll be making hot takes on you. We'll try to be nice, but thanks for coming on. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Good luck. Bye. Travel safe. Okay, everybody. Chris Dickerson and Brittany Dickerson taking time and out of their Sam trip Dickerson. traveling to Jonesboro and yeah. finding cell service. That was so – what were the chances of that? We're like, the cell service is so good now. You found a great spot, yeah. Brittany, and she's like, yeah, and she shuts it off. And then she locks it. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that was awesome. So my kind of funny stat, because I actually remembered it, and apparently the chat was saying it. Um, technically speaking – and this is just funny because Paul said this after shooting 16 down at the end of it. So what, what was his third round? Like 984? Is that what we said it was? Yeah, I think it was 17 strokes worse. So would that be one over? I feel yeah. like I saw that. Yeah, it was 17 strokes. So it was like 980, 990, whatever the rating oh, nine, was. Yeah, it, it was like 981 or 984. Evan said it earlier. Yeah. yeah. So bad rating. But guess what? That rating is not going to count on his next update and so and technically speaking paul averaged the highest rating at that tournament at like 1063 or something like that because it's being dropped yeah yeah exactly it was just it was stupid but he made that joke and i was like dude shut up like no you didn't he's like well yeah that round's not going to count for me anyways i'm like wow must be nice to not count a nine real quick real quick why doesn't that round count i thought it was 100 points what's the actual number his, I'm pretty sure for like him, Eagle Ricky, I think anyone 1050 and above, I think 990 
and below don't count for him. Okay. Uh, I, I had a round last year that was like 65 or 70 points below my rating, and it didn't count. So I don't think it's guaranteed 100 points okay. below. Um, okay. No, that's I think fair. For, like, I, I, think, I think there was at one point, I think Paul shot like a 1,005 rated round, and it didn't count on his rating because it was too <laughs> oh, low, man. which is stupid. It must it be nice I, once you get there. I think it's easy so. To stay I could there. be wrong no. about that. I'll, I'll let Evan, if he can somehow look mm. that up. But Well, um, that was a fantastic anyways, That's just kind of my, my stupid, funny stat. Uh, let's, let's do this. Talking about my er- earlier comment when I was putting on some Hempfield, this is not on purpose cross-platform you know, promotion, but now I can actually find the snap stick that I thought I had grabbed. I mean, <laughs> no, that I didn't think I grabbed earlier. Long story short, snap stick. I'm going to get it there. Ooh, look how clear that, oh, the light's reflecting weird, but that's, there we go. Snap stick. This product comes in a little chapstick container. You can rub it on your throwing hand finger or thumb. You grab a disc, you rub your fingers together. You have some amazing grip enhancement. You have their main, I guess, main product. It's a mini, a wax mini. It's actually a beveled edge. Smells great, works great. I keep it in my mini pouch in the bag. Grab it before every throw. Make sure it feels right. And it's an amazing product. Uh, I'm trying to think. I've given it to everybody now. What's your What's your feedback on it? My it, feedback yeah. is I love it. You know, you got the whale sack. You got the, those help. But when you get that max wax, when your hand, it, it just gives your hand that extra little tacky feeling that'll you know what I'm saying? Snap. snap. Yeah, snapstick. And it gives you a grip so consistent and serious. And this is this is the biggest selling point to me. Every throw, almost regard, I say almost, I, I've tried almost every plastic. This is my point. Every type of plastic, it feels the same to me now. The grip level is consistent. You won't want to play without it. It eliminates pretty much all the variables of plastic. And the scent. Can we go back to it, Nick? What's your favorite part of this besides the grip? <laughs> Gotta love the scent. Um, no, on a serious note though, the grip with it, uh, it was hot and humid down in Georgia this last week, which was absolutely incredible. I finally played disc golf with no wind. Um, but one of the things that happens whenever, you know, I forehand a lot is I split open my finger. And so I would actually put the chapstick in that spot and I would kind of like make that sticky. It was almost like a, not a super glue, but it made it so that I could actually feel comfortable forehanding again. Cause the way I stack my fingers and it snaps out of my hand is it rips open my pointed finger every time. And when I put that on there, I actually still felt like I had a grip and I could hold the forehand the way I wanted it to without a lot of pain. And then I actually have it on one of the side pockets of my bag. And so before every single throw, like people do with rosin bags, I go over and I actually kind of like spin that mini around my hand. And so I get my fingers nice and waxed up again. And that allows me to throw with confidence. And it's, it's not over sticky and it didn't melt in my bag. It held up great in the rain. It's some incredible, incredible stuff. Go to dgmaxwax.com to get a grip. Yeah, to get a get a grip. Get get DG Max Wax. Use code Nick and Matt. Shout out to uh, Wyatt Mahoney in the chat. Wyatt Mahoney Disc Golf. This kid, I've known him since he was like six, mm-hmm. and he's progressed. I think he's just turned thirteen or he's twelve. I don't remember his age. He's in the chat. If you're in, the, let me know your age. And by the way, performing fan. Fantastic. I'm just shouting him out. He's a junior disc golfer, but he's literally taking down advanced men's divisions. Am one. Like that's am open. 
at 12 years old and he's beating like large group. I'm not talking like two people. He's beating like 40 or 50 people averaging like his rating right now is like 945. He's outdoing me in the rating department at 12 years old. That's pretty good. And I'm shouting him out because I don't know if he knows about this product, but I will give him a product next time I see him. I'll let him try this and see what a 12 year old thinks of it. So I want to give one shout out before we go into kind of our final subjects. Yes. Um, I want to give a massive, massive shout out to Casey White. Um, as a local Massachusetts boy, we love rooting for Casey. We love seeing the things that he's doing. Um, if you, you know, last week we talked about mental health and uh, Casey lost a friend to that. Um, one of our good buddies, Abel, Casey and Abel were friends. They, I think they were pretty close. They had this little kind of like kids disc golf thing. A lot of them growing up in the sport at the same time. Um, unfortunately, Casey actually just lost his dog as well. Uh, Ryder, who his course was named after Ryder Ridge. And I think he found out this news before the Champions Cup even started. And so he was able to go out there and kind of put emotions to the side and compete admirably. And to get on lead card at a major, tied for first place against, like I said earlier, arguably the best field in the world is absolutely insane. Um, from the Nick and Matt show, Casey, if you're listening, we are always rooting for you my dude yeah we better uh people are asking for this and maybe i'll put ben to the task they're asking for us to like you know timestamp the youtube videos with all these topics we need to do like a special like casey white shout out timestamp. yeah right yeah all right do 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 we are entering <laughs> the Descura discussion go to dot for all your Descura apparel needs perfect so the discussion oh, today is in regards to caddies. Now, there's a lot of topics involved with the caddy conversation, and some of them came out this weekend. I'll give you a few. We can discuss the Discara discussion. It is caddy. So first of all, one of the notes that I marked down after round one, seeing the feature card go out, was everybody had either their wife or girlfriend on the bag, okay? Uh, or walking with. As Brittany said, that's technically caddying, even though you're not carrying mm-hmm. the bag. You're the support person. Mm-hmm. I know the pro tour does this. There's one person that can do that for you. But I thought it was really, really, really unique. I texted the group, right, right, Evan, uh, Nick, everyone probably saw Nick was playing. I said, I said, I hope Nick's phone is like yeah. silent. It got blown up with like 20 texts in a row. <laughs> and I was playing bad. So I was, yeah. I was ready to just chuck my phone. I kept hearing. Zzz, no. zzz, and I'm like, oh, no, I'm just kidding. Okay. I wasn't actually that mad, okay. but I wasn't playing. Go good. silent. He's got on his like yeah. Apple watch. His wrist is vibrating. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So. Anyways, I thought that was truly unique to disc golf. So that was the first like stamp of like caddies. Interesting. How does that work in the sport? Other sports, not caddies, but like spouses and girlfriends. Like how do they ever get to be firsthand with the sport? They're usually in the stands or something along that nature. Golf is a little different, but we don't even see that in PGA. Like typically, I don't think maybe there's scenarios, but then you had, um, and I forget her name. Is it Isabella? Is that what she called uh, Kristen's daughter? Is it Isabella? Yeah, okay. Isabel. <clears throat> Isabel. Nine, nine years old, I believe. And I'm sure, you know, Kristen was not hoping for her to be the point of conversation for anybody's podcast. Um, so I'm going to tread lightly there. But interesting that something came about. And we'll let Paige say what she said, because that was really interesting. But what does it mean? Like, should, now, now it brings in questions. Should there be criteria? Now there's unique portion of it i talked about there's criteria that the pga has in place uh the pdga and then we'll go one step further and i think evan brought this up is maybe in our chat we're talking like appearance like should there be like a requirement like 
if you go to masters pga masters what do they wear like this white jumpsuit with a name on it like should we go down that road usdgc talked about that what what do you think the standard should be there we're gonna definitely let uh evan be uh, evan uh, i said ben you almost evan. said ben. ben i'm getting them all messed up i said i'm less dixic i mean dyslexic i just get everything wrong yeah. <laughs> numbers names so we're gonna let ben uh everyone chime in on this uh whoever wants to start first like just give us your thoughts on that whole discussion you want to go evan or you want me to go <laughs> all, all you nick it's your show all right so uh, it's it's uh, i'm just playing i'm just on, playing at this point you've been turn. on the same amount of episodes as me i think um you do more than i do so the whole isabel situation with Kristen, i think um i stayed with the estonians down in georgia they're incredible people Kristen and i drove to the course i think three out of four of the days um she's just awesome an awesome person to be around they're super Nice people. Uh, Isabel is awesome. The first couple of days she was doing homework as any normal kid in school is doing. And the final day she was able to go out and actually watch the round. Um, she was actually dressed more professionally than I've seen other players actually at the event. She had on a matching outfit. She, I'm pretty sure it was a polo. And, you know, she's a quiet kid. She wasn't being disruptive, anything like that. Um, but apparently there is a rule in place that you have to be 13 or older or you 14 or older. I forget exactly. What 13. It is. You can be 13, but not younger. Okay. So 13 and older, you are allowed to act as a caddy with the caddy badge, whether that's carrying the bag or being the support person. I'm just going to say caddy in general. Um, I didn't know about this rule. Um, I'm going to tell you guys all right now that I do not know every single rule and sub rule that the PDGA has to offer. And so I just learned about it actually yesterday when everything went down. Um, and what's funny enough is it seemed like five of the people who were technically marshals and presidents of the PDGA also did not know that rule because we all watched Kristen tee off on hole one and Isabel casually walk with her. And so... What's kind of frustrating to me is that this rule got brought up mid-round. That's not the most frustrating part, because um, I get it. A rule is a rule. Um, the way I think it kind of got blown up left a really sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. Uh, Johnny V actually posted saying, you know, kind of like how the story came about Elaine texting someone, someone going to someone, and whatever. But um, I kind of equated it to... If I'm on a road and it's a 40 mile per hour and I'm going 45 and I got pulled over for the first time, the cop might give me a warning and just say, hey, man, slow it down. The thing is, is that Kristen was told right off the rip that she might get disqualified for this. No courtesy violation, no one stroke warning. No, hey, do you mind getting your kid, you know, supervised with someone? Technically, you're not allowed to be. It was you're going to be disqualified potentially if this if someone calls you on it, if you know, any of these things happen. And there were multiple marshals walking around with that card. And so I think it could have been handled better in the sense of like, hey, Kristen, you know, there's a rule. You show her what rule it is. Let us help you find a supervisor really quick. We'll give her the quiet sign so that she can act as a volunteer, you know, kind of be front row. But because of professionalism and the way the PDGA and the Disc Golf Pro Tour is trying to go media-wise, they don't think it looks as professional having a said nine-year-old kid behind the cameras, kind of behind the T-pad right then and there. You don't really see it in other sports. Um, so I, I understand the rule aspect of it. I thought it was executed very, very, very poorly. And like Paige said earlier, it was not bothering anyone on the card. So I think that was kind of 
frustrating. I think Elaine brought it up to Haley, who is Paige's caddy, because I think Elaine is on the rules committee. And so that might have been a rule that she actually did remember and she actually did know. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just frustrating that there was multiple other people there who, you know, are paid employees of the PDGA who didn't have an issue with it, I guess, until it got brought up. But that's not the worst. I think the way it was executed, yeah. the way that it was said to Kristen, I think it was kind of like, hey, we need to get Isabel out of here or else your mom's potentially going to be disqualified. Let's just find. And I want to give a shout out from what I've heard that the supervisor, um, was a very, very, very nice person and kind of like handled the whole situation very well, you know, whatever. So kudos to the supervisor who did watch over Isabel. Um, I think kind of like, had she known this before the round, Kristen could have easily set up someone to come watch Isabel, who she really trusted. And no, like she could have texted Hannah Macbeth, who was out on the course watching our friend Katie and just said like, hey, Isabel needs someone to, you know, watch her. She can't be behind the ropes. So, or in front of the ropes, whatever you call it, inside the ropes. Um, well, so can you come over and watch her? And that would have been totally fine. But the fact that it happened four or five holes into the tournament, now you're worrisome. And like Paige said earlier, Silver said about Kristen that she worried more about that than losing the major. And I think that's what is kind of the crappiest takeaway out of all of this is that literally the final round, she's got to worry about her daughter who's never been in the United States before hanging out with a stranger now and i'm say stranger in a very very loose way but someone who she doesn't know and now she's got to kind of like throw her shot and then turn around where's my daughter rather than her daughter's potentially mm-hmm. sitting by her bag yeah i, I don't know it's- i just think the way it was executed I, long story short i think the way it was executed was pretty poor um from what i've heard i haven't talked to joe shargalov or uh jeff shakwa jeff spring or anything like that but, but we heard how it went time. down when Paige made yeah. mention of it, and it sounded uh, even a little bit more crazy than what you're even saying. But so yeah. some, some of the chatter still confused here. Listen, we don't think I don't think she was there the first round. She this was the first she, time she was there. She she was not there the first, right. second or third round. So she for was people, only, this was the first time she was on the course for people trying to understand, like, well, why didn't they handle this sooner? That's why. Like, this was the first time. The other thing is. Mm-hmm. I want to say this, and people think that I bring, you know, one side and they don't like it, my takes or whatever. I believe in even setting this situation aside, it's the competitor's duty and responsibility to understand and know the rules and to follow them. Like it is the competitor's responsibility to do that. And I will say Kristen is taking responsibility for this in an ulti world post. She did. She said, it's mine. Like it's my issue. It was my situation. Now she's obviously being humble and nice about it. I think I agree 100% with what Nick's saying. And I don't know what Ben and Evan are going to say, but that it was handled poorly. There's no way it should have ever happened this way. But it's not the PDJ's fault that they missed it on hole one. That being said, I wish they did, and and maybe they will start to put things in place to, like, capture that. But that's that's my take on it. I I knew the rule, but I was so involved with junior disc golf, kids disc golf, that those rules were very interesting to me when they came out. And there's reasons they came out. But this is a unique situation. I think it could be addressed again, or it could just be this is the rule. We all know it now. Any of you want to Matt, react to this rule? Well, really, really quick while it's on my mind, Matt, one of the reasons that we're even talking about this right now, and we've said this before, the only reason this situation got brought up is because she was on lead card with cameras watching. Exactly. And Marshall's around <laughs> there. If, if this was on the seventh, eighth, ninth card of the FBO division, no issue. No exactly. one would ever brought it up. I could tell you this. 99% of the players out there right now probably had no idea about this rule. Right. 
That's that's you know? and here's the thing that's interesting, but I'll still say it's the responsibility of the players when the updates come out to to read them to read and know. But I'm not trying to blame anybody here. I'm just saying like that's where I think the responsibility lies. But that. it was but it was handled poorly. Uh, ben and Evan, what do you think about this? Right, I'm gonna hop in for a second because the the tournament director for this event was Robert Leonard. Um, he responded to a question on Twitter, which was pretty much saying like I heard it could result in a disqualification. And his exact tweet right here is um, absolutely false, as in it would not result uh, result in a DQ. There's nothing in the rule book that states it would be a DQ. At the worst, it would have been a warning. As TD, I'm the only person who can DQ someone. Not only did I not consider it, the very notion was never discussed with Kristen. Uh, he goes on to also say, um, uh, ensure the rules were followed, and most importantly, make sure her daughter is safe and is still able to be as close to the mom as possible. And like you were getting in the interview with Paige, is her daughter was reassigned as a volunteer, which is allowed to be with the group. At no time did a staff member ever mention a penalty, warning, or DQ. So I, I, I'll admit that the, the optics, like when I first heard this, did not look good. It, 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 I could see how a lot of outrage happens. Once I read those, I'm like, okay, I, I wasn't there, obviously. I don't know the situation as well. Hearing from Paige was really valuable. Hearing from the tournament director was really valuable. I hope that Kristen didn't feel extra worrying while she's in this pressure-filled event because of it. Um, it it's a tough situation. It from my perspective, it seems like the TD handled it properly. Hopefully, it was uh, conveyed with Kristen in the exact same way that hey, this is not a warning. It seemed to me like Kristen would know and then opted to still go by the rules. And allow her daughter to be nearby as a volunteer holding a quiet sign uh, but not necessarily a caddy could still be wearing in her mind but she did want to do it by the rules the tournament director wasn't going to DQ her. i think she knew that uh, but still wanted to go by the rules so i think it's admirable to hear christian's christian's uh, whole uh, point of view with it um i hope anyone with outrage can learn a little bit more about it try to find those um tweets from robert leonard or other people and um yeah, everyone can learn from this going on in the future. I'm going to pass this over to Ben, but and if you guys want my real take, I think in that situation, I would have walked with my daughter behind the crowd line. And I would have said, well, fine, if she can't be up here with me, I'm going to be back here with her. And like, cause what are they going to do? Like, you can't be back behind the line. No, that's, that's BS. Like that happens at every tournament. So like, and but it would have been unfair in a lot of ways because it would have been like that's unneeded pressure in the middle of a tournament round, but that was already created. Uh, that's anyways. That's probably what I would have done. <laughs> been like, fine, I'm gonna take this in my own hands. Uh, what do you think, Ben? What do we miss? What do you think? I think that the broadcast booth has to stay in the broadcast booth. That's probably my first point. Um, if you're if you're if you're talking, if you're broadcasting thing, you shouldn't be worrying about. PG, PDGA stuff because that's not what you're hide for at the time. One, my second point would be there was like you guys keep saying there's a bunch of marshals there that didn't one didn't do anything and you know they're supposed also supposed to enforce the rules, but the way like you guys are saying it was carried out how she texted a caddy like there was probably plenty of people she could have reached out to or texted. That had to do with the PDGA and not Paige's caddy, which 
is pretty poor taste in my my opinion and it distracted page for a little bit i mean that's incredible page said that yeah yeah i'll I'll hop in for a second too i think the reason why she which i don't want to speak for elaine i'll let her speak for herself and if she says anything different obviously that's what it's going to be but i think that she was worried about a dq being a possibility didn't Mm -hmm. know that the tournament director didn't have that even as a thought and so she didn't want to go to the tournament director and have Kristen end up being dq'd she was trying mm-hmm. to do a good thing on having the situation not result in a DQ, let Kristen know ahead of time so that she could solve the problem, not get DQ'd, and not let the tournament staff know who could have DQ'd, although they were not planning on Buy it. or sell on Evan's take right now? I buy it. And in fact, I was thinking this whole scenario, I think there was zero ill intent by anybody. Now, mm-hmm. people want to mm-hmm. really stick it to the man or the PDGA, and if you go look at social media, it is bad right now. But I honestly, and this is maybe what makes people mad, is the fact that it is not ill intent and it's happening. I think that might bother people. They're like, how is this happening? No one has ill intent, but we're still having these things happen. I think you're exactly right with Elaine. I think she was actually giving a notification like, hey, like, I'm going to send you a text so you can take care of this so nothing else happens like that we don't want to have happen. Mm -hmm. But in the end, it results in this. Uh, I kind of wrapped up this issue. I brought up the apparel. I think we're going to save that one for another time. Um, and maybe the wives and girlfriends that could have just prompted this conversation. Um, is there any talk at all? Are we way too late into the show, Nick, for you to just illustrate for us what a a stance is for disc golf and what you can and can't move? Yeah. So I was actually during one of the practice rounds, Paul and I were playing, we were talking with Jeff Dequois, who is he's the PDGA like uh, tournament event director, director of competition, I believe. There you go. Yeah. Really nice guy. I've had nothing but good interactions with him. Um, Actually, during my first round at Waco, he, you know, I was playing. I just birdied hole 12. Anyways, long story short, he's a very nice guy from what I've seen. Um, And so we were talking about this rule because it was a big conversation during all the practice rounds and then leading up to the players meeting. The stance, it's not talking about the tee pad. So for everyone saying you can't wipe off the tee pad anymore, that's false. You can take a broom and wipe off the tee pad, make sure it's nice and clean for you to throw. That's not the issue. It's on your upshots that people are talking about. And so if your mini is, let's say this microphone, and you can stretch out your opposite leg out to here, 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 you know, whichever way you are trying to go, that is your stance. And so if your stance is longest by you putting your left foot down behind the mini and then laying down whatever way you are trying to plant your other foot, you can literally lie down. That is your stance. You can clean up everything in that area. So if I lie down, you know, I'm about six feet tall. If I put my hands out, maybe that gives me another two feet. Let's say I have eight feet. I could literally lie down and then wipe out everything within that eight feet. Yeah. But if I'm just standing there and I, and I actually do this normally. um, So what I kind of had to think in my head was on my upshots where I can't get a full run up like I would normally do and wipe out all the pine needles and pine cones. I would put my right foot behind the midi. And I would stretch out my left foot as far as I could. And everything in that area, I was able to clean off and kind of like wipe to the side. Now, there were some multiple times where that wasn't a long enough run up for me, but you kind of have to do what you have to do. So that, from my understanding, is what is considered your stance, um, which is really annoying. Um, And I hate the people that, I shouldn't say I hate the people, I dislike the comment of, kind of this, you know, point and deliver. I, I forget, you know, shorten up your stance, shorten up your run up. 
there are people who take really long run-ups and there are people who take two-step run-ups. Like every player plays differently to where, but you know, we just to, just to throw a little bit of a, the opposite, the opposite side in there a little bit, just for conversation purposes. Like, where does it stop though? And and I'm going to be very facetious here, but like, if I want to do a 40, 50 foot run-up, can I just keep going back and moving all the dead trees out of the way to make a runway? Or is it like, and everyone goes, Matt, that's stupid. That's a red herring. Like you're making well, not like, anymore, a straw man. Like I don't, I never thought that was the case. And th- my understanding was like, can I move this rock that's in front of my mini? Like, cause I might fall on it in my follow through or like step no. on it and break my, I never thought I could do that behind my lie. I only thought I could do it if it was in my stance, not like, Oh, it's distracting me four feet to the side and it's dead and detached. So I can move it. Like, I didn't think I had free game. I'm not sure why everyone else did. I, I never like run up. I can see the confusion there. Like, okay, well that's kind of, they're considering that their stance, but that's their run up. So like you're, that's a choice for you as a player to do. But the only thing you don't have a choice as a player is to plant your foot behind the mini. And so I, that's why they give you the option to move stuff there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's a fine rule. I think it got blown out of proportion because of the, the breakdown of it. What do you think, Evan? I think, I, go I, ahead. I think it's an interesting, well, a lot of things that we're talking about, it, just in general across disc golf with rules over the past couple of weeks are issues that, the PDGA has to make rules for every event that's under their sanctioning. You have this major that just happened this weekend, Matt, if you play a random seed tier next weekend, same rules. And that's a really tricky position when <laughs> Matt, you might be playing a course that it, like is a public course that isn't really high traffic, but it's holding a tournament. It has a lot more debris off the side of the fairway. It's not WR Jackson, which is one of the nicest woods courses in the world. If if Nick got off the fairway this past weekend, he probably could still relatively run up to his throw. Matt, if you get off the fairway at a local course, you might have to do a lot of brush clearing. So the rules are meant for all of that. And it's just we run into a lot of tricky places. And that's where I think we'll get there. But I, I hope we get to a point where we can have sub rules that can be for designated events only. Sure. Um, and whether it's, you know, any PDGA run event or it's elite series majors, whatever it is. X tiers, baby. X tiers. Yeah, to say, okay, <laughs> instead of your stance, you have up like a, uh, let's say a 10 meter circle. Yeah. You could remove debris. Sure. Um, because at that stage, like every little thing matters and yeah, it's the rules, but it's kind of opening a can of worms. And I just want to call out the chat because that's my favorite thing to do. You know, rile everybody up safety concern. I have a choice as a player whether or not I want to run up. That's not a safety concern if I can't move a pine cone. If I don't move a pine cone because I can't and I choose to run up and I step on it, whose fault is that? I'm not even going to answer that question because that's a stupid question. But that's my point. It's not a safety concern. Now, there, I'm a safety professional. That's what I do with my job. If I was forcing somebody to do that, then I would say it's a safety concern. But we're not forcing anybody to do that. I'm not saying it's a great rule. I'm open to the rule changing. My point is right now it's player discretion to do run-ups or not. Nick, you you had something else you wanted to say, um, or maybe you didn't. <laughs> I'm just throwing. No, it out I did. <laughs> I did, and I totally forget what it was. Well, um, I want to hop in real quick, and we don't have to go, go into further discussion on this. But I personally think the rule should be after your first shot, you have to establish your uh, your stance before your throw. However, you want to word that to essentially where, like in in, in traditional golf, you're not resetting your tee uh, for for your ball to sit on, like you're playing at opposite lies. I. I would say, yeah, plant your left or right foot, whichever one you want, and that has to stay planted for your entire 
run-up throw. However that's worded, I'm not one of those people that do those things. But I'm, I'm personally... So for I, everyone in the chat who is going to want to kill Evan for saying that, <laughs> what, what what essentially you're saying is you you would like the rule to go to standstills on your second shot. I... I'm not 100% for it, but I do. I think uh-huh. the idea is interesting. I'll say that. Uh-huh. Okay. I've talked about it over the last couple of yeah, years. I, I mean, I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world. I also don't think it would be good. Um, I think we play a different sport in the sense of golf players establish their feet. That's how they hit the ball. You don't see the happy Gilmores out in golf. Um, in our sport, a lot of that requires, like a lot of that power requires moving parts to the body. And part of that is your feet and your legs. So I would rather not see it go to a standstill only um, stance kind of for off the tee. But I don't know. I mean, that, that, that rule, it, it can, if, if that came about, work. that would be the least of my concerns. There, there's other things that would concern me more. I think it would make disc golf a hell of a lot more challenging. And I would try my best to Let's learn how to forehand year. any sort of shot, but and this I'm going to be facetious, and we've done this, and we're really t- we're pretty much at the end of the show. But we've always brought it to this place with conversations like this. When we had Dion on, when we had Brody on, we're like, "Let's how absurd can we make disc golf? Lotioning your hands. Remember, like bees nest mm-hmm. and dogs let loose <laughs> on like a hole, or like we just like coming up with things like." In this scenario here, like, I'm going to take it to, like, can we not, like, dig our feet into the ground to, like, gain a better stance? You know what I mean? You'll see that, like, the pine needles moving. Everyone should play barefoot. Like, yeah. Like, we have to. Oh, God. It's, it's, <laughs> it's crazy. But, like, th- like, where does it stop there, right? So, like, there has to be yeah. some common sense to this. I'm okay with the rule changing to say you can clear out your, your run-up as long as, you know, the players agree. Like, that's your run-up. No, no, that's not part of your run-up. You can't move that. That's fine. Like, let it be a player decision there, too. But we've kind of run this into the ground, haven't we, Ben? Maybe. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I will just say uh, it feels maybe like a little bit of a new era in some ways with Dickerson winning his second major in in so many years, right? Was it last year or the year before? Uh, It was 2020 USDGC. 2020, are you sure? 2021? It was 2020 USDGC. 2021 was Paul. Okay. But who, he also has two tour championships to go along with that, which isn't a okay. major, but an outstanding yeah. event. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Macbeth, Wysocki, Dickerson all have one win now in 2022. And I'm not talking Silver Series. I know we just said that. Who's playing better, Macbeth, Wysocki, or Dickerson? That's a fun conversation. Maybe we save that for an off week. Uh, in my opinion, out of those three, Calvin gets it. He's playing the best. He's just not winning. <laughs> it's like, it's incredible. I'll say it over and over and over. And maybe at some point I should just bet on one of the events and see if I can win real big with it. But. Uh, all right. Ben, bring us out of the Descara discussion. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> this has been a Descara discussion. DescaraDG.com for all your disc golf apparel needs. Check him out. Yeah. There we don't have go. a Nick and Matt code yet. Say. Nick, get on that. Facts. Oh, absolutely. You got it. <laughs> or a Ben and Evan. I'll set code. that up. I can literally set that up tonight. Can we do uh, Ben anyways, and yeah, Evan? For anyone as the who code? wants some new for anyone who wants some new nice summer UPF rated gear. Uh, whether it's getting nicer, go ahead and check out DiscaraDG.com. We got some awesome, awesome UPF rated equipment for you. Apparently. Well, this show went long, but the interviews with both Paige and Chris went long, but that was some fantastic insight. I'm going to definitely listen to this back. Mm-hmm. I want to drop an exclusive well, that has never happened. Do you want me to- Yeah, go ahead. On the Nick and Matt show. And now for a Nick and Matt show exclusive. <laughs> Nick, this is never. I hate that. That's my least favorite ever. one. Ever. 
dude, I we had to pay good money for that. That was a good money voiceover. We're not. I was not not involved in that. We're conversation. not throwing that in the trash. It's gonna go for at least a year. Okay. Um, this has never happened on the Nick and Matt show. What is that? Stat or fi- no, Matt or fiction? <clears throat> I have been a part of every single episode that we have recorded, and we're on episode eighty-seven. Matt or fiction? Do you know the answer to that, Ben? The answer to what? <laughs> Matt or fiction? It, that's just a play on words. I hope you understand. And then, have I been a part? Oh, oh, oh of every yeah. episode you that have. We have re- oh, you, okay. So pretty that's, sure. I mean, you're guessing Matt. <laughs> He's guessing Matt. <laughs> yeah, I gotta guess Matt. And I'm gonna guess Matt as well. Matt. That's true. Matt. So this is our conclusion to this one because I want to do it as my intro for the next one. So this is your intro for the next episode. I will not be a part of it. Some of you can applaud loudly. Some of you can uh, applaud even louder. <laughs> and let's see. I- I've tried my hardest with Ben. Yes. Ben, I've tried my hardest. If it fails, it's on Ben. No. Yes. <laughs> if it's successful, it's on me. I'm kidding. I learned that joke somewhere one day, and it stuck with me. It's a good joke. <laughs> Evan, Nick, and Ben are going to hold down the show next week. Yep. We're going to give it. I say we're going to give it a go. This is where we tried to get to. Stat or fiction, guess, uh, Nick doing his thing, Ben doing his thing. So it should be fantastic. And uh, we've come a long way, 87 shows. Um, where am I? I'm out visiting family in Missouri. Uh, grandparents, elderly grandparents, who honestly I don't get to see very often, so this is going to be a special opportunity and moment to do that. Uh, there you go. Yep. So that's that. I think we wrapped up this show. I don't think there's anything we're missing. Um, stay tuned for what's coming up next week. And this was a blast. Nick, let's take it. Let's close it out. Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in tonight. This has been an incredible show on a nice Monday night. Um, for all you post audio listeners, hope you guys enjoy the show as well. Don't forget to actually leave a thumbs up if you're watching live right now. Go ahead and hit that thumbs up button. Thank you for commenting all night. Don't forget to subscribe. Shout out to the latest subscriber. Um, once again, tell someone you love them this week. We'll catch you in the next one. That's right. Ben, Evan, Nick, you guys are awesome. Peace out. The Nick and Matt Show, a disc golf podcast designed for you, the disc golfer. Find the Nick and Matt Show on your favorite podcast platforms or join the conversation live on YouTube.